This is The 20 with DJ Spider, presented by BeatSource. Welcome to The 20 Podcast, bringing you interviews with the best DJs, producers, and music industry professionals from around the globe. I am your host, DJ Spider. DJ Spider! Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you for tuning in. What's happening, guys? You feeling good? Great, me too. Yo, it's almost the end of the year, guys. Okay? Or it might might even be the end of the year. I don't know when you're listening to this, but damn, we got a good episode for you, you guys. This podcast is available everywhere. If you didn't know, you can watch us on YouTube. Enjoy watching our faces while we talk to you. Or you can listen on Apple, Spotify, all that stuff. Either way, thank you guys, the Beat Sorcerers, for constantly tuning in, sticking with us, helping support. I mean, we've been doing this podcast for years now, and I love doing it, and I love connecting with you all out there. So thank you for letting us make this happen. And you know who else is making this happen? BeatSource, that's right. BeatSource Streaming is a service that you can use if you want a DJ from the cloud streaming service. That's right. You can also use a lot, utilize our locker system where if there's no internet and you've taken the songs and put it in our locker, you'll have them offline. We've got edits. We've got things no other DJ record pools have. We've got curated playlists. It's absolutely incredible. Go on BeatSource.com to learn more and to get a free trial. I use it at my gigs. I'm not just saying this. It's really dope, and it's the future. Check it out. Hit me if you got questions. I will answer them, or I will point you in the right direction. Um, and thank you guys for tuning in. You're great. I love being on this podcasting journey with you. Yes, it's a journey we're doing together. Um, and I love uh, you know seeing you guys at my gigs. You come out to my gigs. You say hello. You support me. I really appreciate it. Go listen to my stuff. Peep it out, djspider.com, D-E-E-J-A-Y-S-P-I-D-E-R.com, or on Instagram, at DJ Spider, D-J-S-P-I-D-E-R. Keep in touch. Let me know what you think. Send some some messages to me. Um, All right. Today, on the show, we have got an incredible DJ and producer who I've been a fan of for a long time, and now I'm lucky enough to be friends with, okay? I'm friends with this guy. After just listening to his mixtapes... And all of his amazing creations over the years. He has made, honestly, some of the most classic and amazing mixtapes of all time. They're like audio documentaries. Like, they're like very unique and incredible. So, so check them out. Um, he's hailed as a music guru, which I agree with, by Rolling Stone. That's right. The Rolling Stone magazine. And also... Someone has called him the most creative mixtape producer of all time. You know who said that? Questlove. And it's well-deserved. He's a musical storyteller whose work connects cultures, eras, and styles. He's worked with The Roots and continues to. Roots Picnic, all that stuff. He does so much stuff with them. He's Black Thought's personal DJ. He's worked with Nas, Mary J. Blige, Common, Ms. Lauren Hill, Q-Tip, Spike Lee, uh, Dave Chappelle, you ever heard of him? And Pulitzer Prize winning playwright Lynn manuel Miranda on the Billboard number one album, The Hamilton Mixtape. That's right, he made a mixtape that became a number one album. How crazy is that? And who else can say they did that? I don't think anybody. His, li- his live mixtape performance series has been featured at the Roots Picnic, Blue Note Jazz Festival, the Kennedy Center, Brooklyn Academy of Music, and Sony Hall. 
recording a one-of-a-kind mixtape live on stage with hip-hop luminaries including Black Thought, Most Def, Rakim, Queen Latifah, Busta Rhymes, Rick Ross, and Remy Ma. I mean, he is making it happen, okay? Talk about coming up with insane ideas and executing him. Executing them, he is the epitome of someone doing that. So dope. Um, He's also been the music supervisor for the Brooklyn Nets. He's been featured on The Tonight Show with Jimmy Fallon. He just produced the Salute to 50 Years of Hip Hop TV performance for the Grammys. Um, If you look on his Instagram, you see clips from that, and you see Questlove saying that he was the glue and the cement to hold that together. I mean, can you get a better uh, comment than that? Um, What else? I mean, I could go on forever what this guy does. Um, He's DJed milestone parties for... All types of people, Lauren Hill, Nas, Dave Chappelle, to name a few. His accomplishments are insane. And one of his biggest years yet was 2023, which is crazy because he's been doing this forever. So it feels like this is just the beginning. And so many things we talk about on this episode are how things go full circle, you know, and having faith in things and pushing forward and doing things for the right reasons and the love of it and the passion. And I think you're going to get so much out of this episode. I really did. So get ready for some amazing stories and welcome to the show, Jay Period. It's the 20 podcast and I am beyond excited to have today's guest in the studio live. We've been talking about this. He's in LA. His name is is J period. Make some noise. <laughs> What's going on? We'll, we'll have some post-production sound there. So don't uh, worry. There'll be a stadium of people cheering okay, for excellent. you. Excellent. You know, it'll, you'll I feel need that very before special. I start these days. You do. You do. <laughs> just imagine it. Just imagine this people at the Chevron out the window or <laughs> pumping gas into the air and, you know, <laughs> cheering like crazy. Awesome. Uh, no, thank it. you for being here. J period. One of my favorite... DJs, people, everything, what just a, a one-of-a-kind artistic mind that even before I met you, I would sing your praises to everyone and just be like, one day I will find out how this man's brain works <laughs> because it's unreal, you know, just for from gr- what you wish for. <laughs> <laughs> well, today I may, yes, regret this, uh, What you know, I'm watching, watching a movie I never wanted to see the ending of, but no, I... I you know, coming up just as a DJ and someone who loved hip hop and who's always been very, you know, interested in behind the scenes stuff, just listening to your mixtapes were so eye opening, ear opening and just incredible. Like I was like, this dude just sees the world like through a movie lens, you know, but with music, you know, and I wanted to be a music supervisor coming up. So it was just like, I always feel like I had that that angle like the way I was seeing things but you were able to execute these things in a way where I would listen to your mixtapes and you would really create an audio movie to me Mm. and this is way before all the advent of a lot of this technology you know this is when it was a lot harder to produce those things so um, you know you've always been killing it and your DJ skills and your taste and the people you've aligned yourself with Um, and then now in the year 2023 you're doing absolutely incredible things that have all come from that so thank you for being here man I'm I'm glad to be here and uh yeah it has been a wild ride i never would have thought or imagined right i'm happy you know to to really for this year especially it's been like a lot of full circle moments that it made me feel like 
okay, I'm supposed to do this? Yes. Um, Isn't that crazy to say, too, in this year, especially? Totally. Because a lot of people, you know, like, yo, you're an OG, or you've been around, right. you know, all that, you know, and you're like, we're just getting started, you know? Kind of. I mean, that's sort of how I feel, which, you know. It is. I mean, yeah. you're sitting here. I mean, you know, he gave me this incredible uh, comic book 45 records, <laughs> storytelling. I mean, it is unreal, you know, thing that you've come with. You came with the hot sauce. Yes, you know, course. this is all to produce the song Hot Sauce with Andre Day and uh, Aloe, Black. Uh, Aloe Black. I mean, but I mean, you guys, you're going to, you know, you'll see. I'll, I'll show Shout you Shout out Dan Lish, the amazing illustrator who did all the artwork really for the whole story to tell series. But he's just a whiz. He really is. Um, I mean, you know, it helps unreal. me bring these ideas to life in a way that I could not do on my own. Yo, his style is so dope. And it goes hand in hand with your music, your style of the way you do stuff. I mean, the fact that it's a comic book ends with the actual vinyl record. Yes, you like guys, the old book on. and record sets. You know, those I, I grew it. up on and they were my right. favorite. I always wanted to make one of those. And the fact that, like, us growing up listening to those and then De La Soul coming out with, mm-hmm. you know, their De La Soul's dead and, and, and sort of emulating that. And then as that progressed into how other hip-hop groups, you know, incorporated that and then to have you coming back doing this, like, like we said, full circle this mm-hmm. year. It's just so incredible. Yeah, I, it was interesting. I was at um, this conference called Decon yesterday with Farrell okay. Monch and Destroy and a few people all around sort of comic books and collectibles. Amazing. Yeah, Destroy. I mean, during the pandemic, did yes. that show, right? Yeah, that, show off your gems. Oh, so dope. Yeah, and, and what, what you find, though, is there are a lot of people that are collectors. Maybe we collect, you know, records yeah. as a start or it extends to that, but that a lot of us came from comic books and things like that. So yeah. now the connections create things like that so, right yeah and this kind of stuff is just so meaningful and so cool like i feel special getting it but also it's just something that i will take care of like so carefully you know because um it's just dope you know and the fact that you took so much time to, to make this and put all the time into it and then also there's amazing music inside of it and yes. behind it and um you know, you're able to put the song on and it's really dope. And also this song was much different than I thought it would be. Honestly, when, when I saw you say the name of the song, who's on it, the fact that you did it, I was picturing just sort of like a hip hop beat, you know, mm-hmm. not just, but you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, like kind of stuff that was more in line with the other stuff that you'd been putting out. And when I heard the song, it was very, um, you know, it's up tempo, has influences, R and B blues, mm-hmm. uh, hip hop sort of just, I guess new soul mm-hmm. or in a way, right? Yeah, yeah a little bit. Yeah, well, um, I think Aloe Black and Andrew Day represent that. They they really do, yeah, right? Like sure. almost like a Motownish vibe mm-hmm. in the new world, but mixed with that hip hop element. And yeah. um, it's such a dope song. Like it's really well produced. Thank the you. sound quality is incredible. The musicianship mm-hmm. and you Team know all of it on that. Um, it's it's I mean, great. I would say you know in response to the first part of that. For me, I, I I think of my, I mean, I say my approach is really as a DJ. So I'm always trying to mix together different styles yes. and merge things. And it's something that as I become a producer, I really try to do. Yeah. And for me, it'll extend to, okay, maybe we put these two artists like Andrew Day and Aloe Black that have never actually been on a record together. Yeah. And the sample is not a sample. It's 1500 or nothing. You know, shout out Rance Dobson and J-Mo. Um, and that's the bed, and then the beats crazy. built wow. around. They're that. unreal. I they're mean. they're amazing. Um, and you know, most of my album was actually recorded in L.A., either at fifteen hundred or at Omas Keith's studio, or with DJ Khalil. And Khalil is also one of the producers of the record. Okay. Um, 
And then, you know, essentially I built the beat around the rant sample. Stro Elliott played drums. So it's, it is a fusing of styles. Crazy. But I feel like, you know, that's what makes timeless music is you can't really place it. Those are the records that, you know, yeah. they sound new, but they sound old. And that's my favorite stuff. So that's right. kind of what I'm trying to do. There. And and with the, when you say sample, do they sort of make a live band thing and then create song and then create live music that then can be sampled in the same way we would find an old 70s record? But they're creating new music that can be then sampled. Well, I mean, one of the really amazing sort of things in Rance, you know, shout out to him just for his whole approach and what, you know, 1500 has been able to do. Right. But, you know, essentially he described it to me like this, that normally as a DJ, you know, we come from a sampling mentality. If we become producers, oftentimes we're going to start sampling, you know, yeah. to make beats. And the way he described it was, okay, if you sample a record, it's a sample. If you sample my record, we're now co-songwriters. Right. So okay. essentially I was like, that blew my mind because then of course there's so many talented musicians out here making music. We think of a sample as this thing off in the clouds, yeah. but really, you know, if you find the right people, you can make something yeah. or bring a sample in as inspiration and make something and sample that. Right. And now you've just found a way to create something new, but with the feeling maybe of, of something old. Right. So, you know, it's, it's, it's an experiment, but I think based on that idea, you know, as a DJ of, yeah. Yeah. I think, I mean, and that's the way everything's in the direction. Everything's going with collaboration. Everyone's able to collaborate better now. Mm -hmm. And with digital things, people are able to get the credit. And if it goes on YouTube, the right people get paid or whatever, however right. all that works. But I think producers that are that are embracing that new mentality will go a lot farther. And it seems like Rants and 1500 are mm -hmm. paving the way. In a, or, you know, some of the top people doing that, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I just think the idea of taking a thing where you feel like you, you've got to, you know, whatever, you have to sample and deal with everything that goes with that yeah. versus a thing that feels like it's a co-creation and a collaboration. And that's really what that record is. Um, yeah. That's why it doesn't sound like what I would sit, make if I sat down by myself because I, I didn't. It's, it's right. a, you know, a group of people and that collective vibe. But um, yeah, I, I like following those you know, kind of signals and cues and, and letting a thing go where it's going to go yeah. like as a DJ, you know, you do that. So that's what I'm trying to do as a producer. Right. And this is, did you say it was the first song on your album? Well, uh, for, first release from your um, upcoming album? Well, or? so hot sauce is the first release from chapter two of story to tell chapter one. I put out in, 2021 yeah sorry i meant to clarify um, yeah yeah but it but it is it's sort of one whole project but i'm bro broken it out into sort of segments more right. for sort of it's all it's all kind of music and storytelling merged together okay so the first chapter the songs are stories in some case they weave in and out to the next song so you know globe trotting for example the, which is the comic book is a basketball game story of a basketball game i played with masego okay shad is on the record jamel hill you know agreed to be the courtside reporter we <laughs> turned it into this comic book but at the end of the song you know bobito walks away from the sort of court talking about what a great game it was out into the street in new york into a bodega and then you know when he gets into a bo the bodega there's a little song playing on a transistor radio a salsa record and he sees Crazy Legs in the store and they have a conversation about salsa music and they give a little bit of history. And then Crazy Legs is like, yo, that's my joint. And the song Crazy. drops. And now that song, the next song is sampling that salsa record and becomes, you know, a Grand Combo, which is with Joel Ortiz and Lin-Manuel Miranda. So come on, that's, that's so how dope. I was trying to build that. Right. Yeah. And that's where I'm saying your brain works like you're creating this movie. You know, everything mm -hmm. has a has a 
a reason behind it, you know? And I think as DJs, we always have to think steps ahead and that's what you're doing on such a new, a different level. You know, it's really dope. I mean, for me, when I heard music, it always told a story. Yeah. So I think that it's less that I'm, I'm, I don't know. It's just like when you, some people hear music and they see colors. When I hear music, yeah. I, I, I see stories. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and some music in particular, hip hop really lends itself to that. Like, you know, the storytelling in hip hop is sort of how the connections in my brain, you totally. know, fused around music and storytelling. I, I grew up, storytelling was a big part and music was a big part, but it wasn't necessarily, you know, that they came together. Hip hop is really what brought, you know, that connection together. Yeah. And, you know, still to this day, that's what excites me about it. So. Right. Oh, that's incredible, man. Well, um, so some of the things that we were talking about, like full circle, you know, I was just going through your Instagram and, and, you know, just talking to you and knowing what you've been into, like, just this year alone and the past three to six months, um, you know, even weeks ago, um, there was such a huge moment for hip hop. You know, this whole year has been a huge moment for hip hop and the 50th anniversary. And there's been so many cool celebrations around it, but, um, they had a Grammy, uh, the 50th, uh, anniversary of hip hop Grammy celebration yeah, on Grammy salute to 50 years. Of Grammy, yeah, Grammy yeah, yeah. salute. Yeah. Thank yeah. you. Yeah, all good. <laughs> uh, for it's, the a mouth, right. it's a mouthful. Yes. I was trying to remember <laughs> the exact way to say it. Um, but it was, you know, on broadcast on CBS. I remember you came into town, what a month ago yeah. and asked me to help you make some acapellas or whatever. <laughs> yes. I didn't know what the hell you were doing, but yeah. I helped. I, I did my sure little, I knew what I was doing <laughs> at the time. So, right. Yeah. And, but what you were doing was basically putting together this insane show, helping quest love who I've mm-hmm. seen in your comments on your Instagram saying you were the glue and cement that <laughs> held this all together and put this together, which <laughs> framed that. Can you get more of a Testament <laughs> to anything? Screenshot. Shot. <laughs> yeah, please. I mean, like etch that, you know, into a piece of stone forever, you know. Yes. But I mean, but that's such a testament to what you're able to do, what people trust you to do, mm-hmm. what you and what you are doing, you know, and it's really cool. And so what did you do? <laughs> Man, well, I mean, I can tell you that, you know, all year this year, we've been doing um pretty, you know, big format live mixtapes where I'm putting together a show that's, you know, fusing either for one artist, a bunch of songs together or a series of artists. We did, you know, Black Thought, Busta Rhymes at the Roots Picnic with Eve, you know, amazing. And that um, was the live mixtape yep. that you do. Yeah, so, that was the live mixtape I do with Black Thought. So right. That, and that's something that you've been doing for years at this point. Yeah. And we've been doing that for years. And again, you know, that's part of what, like the training for what I ended up doing yes. for the Grammys was doing these shows with Black Thought, which requires you to be on your toes at all times and yeah. be, you know, very flexible to changes right. in the moment and figure out a way to sort of do that where it can work. And I think that was sort of part one of the, right. you know, birth of this. Yes. And then, you know, over this year, I've also gotten to do that with, uh, at Lincoln Center, we did Big Daddy Kane and Rakim live mixtape, which was amazing. It's incredible. I mean, s- some amazing I'm, clips. I'm rocking, you know, the, the jacket from that. We, we, you know, we did that uh, a year in advance. So we met, planned it a year in advance. So we had time oh, to actually make these jackets. Those jackets are unreal. Yeah. I mean, so, anyone that's just listening, go on YouTube and watch this because <laughs> some dope imagery. <laughs> yeah. But, but basically, um, point being that we had done a number of these this year. Right. And I saw Questlove, you know, at one of these events and he had done the Grammys salute at the Grammys show in February. And right. it was a 15 minute amazing medley of all these things. Yeah. 
And, you know, everyone out in the world complains, well, why isn't this person and that person? Of course. You're then doing I, a 15-minute thing. You're including f- right. hundreds, thousands of artists. I mean, yeah. new, old. Yeah. Then like, yeah. Why is gonna or something? It's like, yo, we're, we're there. Well, the mechanics of that also are insane now that I've seen behind the scenes and how it actually comes together. Right. And it's really just a negotiation of who's available and, and, and wants to come. I was going to say who says yes or no, too, right? <laughs> yeah. So, but point being that this happens in February. It's amazing. It turns into a tour, you know, the force tour which yeah. is the, the whole sort of summer of them doing a version of that. Right. And then I went I, to the Vegas one. It was uh, amazing. Yeah, yeah. I went, I went in DC and, um, you know, I saw quest love at one of these hip hop 50 events, actually at Nas's 50th birthday party. Oh, wow. And, um, which you were DJing, which I, which I was DJing <laughs> in, in one of that. these amazing, you know, full circle moments. And, um, you know, I, I kind of offered to help if that was going to materialize again. And, and he called me a couple of weeks later and he, and he sort of said, you know, this is your put me in coach moment. It was literally what he said when I picked up the phone. And of course I was he like, did. you know, what are we, you know, what are we doing? And, um, you know, I started with me making a demo um, for what became the native tongues sort of tribute. Right. And, you know, that, you know, task was, as you saw, like trying to fit a lot of different artists into eight minutes, let's say, right. requires an insane amount of editing and, you know, diggable planets. Can have, you know, there's enough time for them to each have four bars if you want to include all of them. So you have to figure out which four bars wow. and then you got to do it in a way that they're comfortable to perform it. So all of that type of stuff was in my mind from the live mixtape, right. even though I'm just making a demo. So I make this demo and then it's, well, can you make another and another and, you know, five demos in, I'm now brought into the conversation with Fatima Robinson, who's the sort of creative director and choreographer and I find out that some of these demos have, you know, been now imagined as what they might be on stage. Crazy. And so, you know, every day the lineups change based on who's available and so forth. And I'm adapting this. And then a couple of weeks before this is supposed to tape, I get a call and it's, you know, basically Sean G, uh, you know, from, from Live Nation and from The Roots, you know, saying, you know, can you make the actual show tracks? You know, you've been making demos. Can you right. make the real thing? And uh-huh. I said, yes, Absolutely. And it's because I'd been doing these live mixtapes that I felt comfortable and confident to say yes. And that turns into me flying out here for this taping. And I realized that when I get here, the scale (laughs) of this thing, but I I felt like uniquely positioned to do this because I'd been making things that were very similar. And the flavor of those edits is very much live mixtape, you know, how I would put those together, but just by a different set of rules and being super adaptable again. Yeah. You know, and then it, it turns out that when I look up by the end of this, the show doesn't just sort of consist of some of these. It's it's made up of all of these music segments. And, you know, other than, you know, Questlove did the, the public enemy um, segment himself mm-hmm. in the last minute. And, and Will and Jeff, obviously Jeff, you know, is going to do Jeff. Yeah. But um, but, you know, I, I really had, you know, and, and Jermaine Dupree, um, he curated the Dirty South segment okay and then asked me to help with that but again i had no idea what this was going to be and i was just thrown into the mix and you know i felt comfortable and confident because of all of these things i've been through so in that way it was a super full circle moment you know like i've been describing it as like the, the movie where you see all these little things laid out, but you don't know quite what they are. And yep. then there's this climactic moment where it's like, bop, 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 bop. And yeah. you see how they led to this totally. thing. And I, I felt like that in that moment of like all these things in my DJ life and, you know, negotiating with people life and all, all those things just came to play and it was awesome. So I was like, I was in there like happy. Yeah. <laughs> so Right. Yeah. But that's really what it felt like. That is so dope to hear. And you are uniquely positioned to do that. And it really just shows, you know, 
sticking to things that you love, working on things you love, working on things you're passionate about, you don't know the end goal. You're mm-hmm. never going to see, mm-hmm. you're never going to predict the future and you're never going to know what this is leading towards. But if you have that spark inside of you and that feeling inside of you yeah. and you follow it, it could lead to things you never imagined or to things you have imagined, but you didn't think were real. Right. Never and could have imagined. And, <laughs> and you also never would have, you wouldn't have felt prepared. You would have been like, I don't know if I can do this. You know, mm-hmm. like if you hadn't gone through all that time of yep. working on all those things, like you said, it's like, yeah, I don't know what movie usual suspects or something, <laughs> <laughs> something where you look back. And go, oh yeah. It all makes sense. Kaiser Soze. Yeah. You're Kaiser Soze. <laughs> Uh, the good one, right? But, <laughs> oh the hip hop guys are right. so sick. Um, but yeah, that's yeah. oh my god, that's so dope. Yeah, yeah. congrats thank and you. good job <laughs> and thank you. I mean, you know, in, in a lot of ways, you know, for me, it, it is about sort of storytelling and telling the story of hip hop. Yes. And so you know, in this 50th year, you know, there are people that you know they they have an argument that they're making. You know that. You know, why are we only celebrating this, you know, now? Right. And that's a totally legitimate argument. Yeah. I, I don't disagree with that. However, for me, as someone that was a fan through all this time, for me to have the opportunity to participate in the telling of that story, yeah. I want to tell that story right. right. So all year long, that's been kind of my mentality is what can we do that'll represent like a, a, a part of the story that's not being told. So, mm-hmm. you know, Big Daddy Kane and Rakim, I've been wanting to see that, you know, my whole life. It didn't happen as a versus. They agreed to do it. For this show, amazing. You know, we did, I hadn't seen a sort of all-female MC version of, it, of of a show out there. So we did the live mixtape Ladies First with Latifah and Mumu Fresh and Moni Love, Remy Ma in, in D.C. at, at the Smithsonian, um, also in August, three days after the Lincoln Center show. Wow. Yeah, and so, but I think that These mission, are amazing historical moments, too, at, yeah. at historical places. Yeah, at, for sure. At, it's all, you know, these are all, like, things yeah. that will... You know, there's special moments, you know, that that will not be forgotten. And I think you did them at great places, you mm-hmm. know, as well to like have cement them in a place in history, you know. I mean, I think for me, that's kind of all, you know, I can hope for is to be able to to do that, you know, yeah. to, to take these things and hold them up and, and try to cement them right in, in history. And I think like the year of doing that for that to culminate in something like the Grammys where you're telling, you know, you're not you're not you can't tell the whole story. You got two right. hours and you're going to try and tell the best version of the story given yeah. the pieces on the table. Right. But still, I'm trying to tell that story in a way that makes people understand like the impact and the significance of it. Mm-hmm. And the dopest part to me was that, you know, for all the people that were there, I felt nothing but gratitude from everybody, you know, just like sort of thank you for finding a way to, for me to be included. Yeah. And that was like, that was the best thing of all. Cause you know, it's like a cavalcade of my heroes and they're like, thank you. I'm like, no, 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 thank you. <laughs> well, because it's crazy. It's like, you wouldn't be there without them. But yeah. then at the end of the day, they might not be there without you, you know? And it, that's the crazy connection that yeah. like, it's wild. You just, had a tape, you know, and a record that you listened yeah. to a long time ago <laughs> with no connection to these people and just yeah. felt this like goosebumps, like, oh, I love this. So I got to do something with it. Yeah. And then it all leads up to that moment 20, 30 years later, yeah. whatever it is, you know? Yeah. And I think what you said is true that it's about, you know, doing it for love, like the love and the passion. Yeah. You know, it's funny because the next the next part of my album, Story to Tell, Chapter Two, is really all about that. It's like about what you know, something that you pour all of your energy, whether it's relationship or just a passion or a thing, yeah. and what it means to do that. Yeah, because it, it's it requires a lot of faith. <laughs> you know, like you have to take leaps beyond what you can see. Yes. all the time, and 
those leaps, unless you love what you're doing, they always are a little too scary. You know, if you love it, you're it's like, true. all right, maybe I'll, you know, yeah. give it a go or whatever. And it's wild. It is wild to look back because that's been my mentality. I don't think I thought about it then in that way. I just was like, I love this. Yeah. But now I feel like because I loved it, I see myself taking all these crazy, insane leaps Yeah, that I, you know, at the time I didn't think about it like that. I was just like, I want that. I want to do that. I want right. to try that. And now it's like, wow, that's really a lesson in like going after the thing you love, you know, yeah. like no fear, just go for yeah. it. So, and it's the faith thing, you know, and I think a lot of people have different ideas of what faith is. And obviously it's very religious to some people. It's very spiritual to other people. It's very, I don't know, you know, faith in themselves or whatever it is, but yeah, that is a huge part of DJing, risk taking and making music, being a creative person, putting mm -hmm. yourself out there is just having the faith to drive you through it um, and get you to that part. Like I said, there's no, it's a blurry thing, mm, you know, totally. in front of you, you don't know what you're going towards, you know? Yeah. I mean, I think for any DJ that is, yeah, that's true. Exactly. In any genre and any, yeah. any sort of place in their career, you know, you have yeah. to have that, that faith that it's going to happen, you know, like that's why if you have too many plan B's, like you're going to be worried about the plan B's, like just go with the plan a and yeah. see if it works out. <laughs> You'll be alive if it doesn't and then go work on something else. But yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't know. I think uh, somebody was saying um, like increasingly the, uh, oh man, I, I, I forgot my thought. It was just like sort of a way to categorize sort of two versions of looking at the world. One where right. you're operating from a place of fear yeah. and one where you're operating from a place of hope. Yeah. Like things that, that I think are, you know, relevant to a lot out there in the world right now. But, but those right. two things determine a, a lot. And I think going towards the thing you love is going towards like a hope or a, an idea that it could happen. Yeah. And the, and the fear part is what, you know, that'll prevent you. Cause it's like, what if, but Right. You know, I don't know. I think between those two paths, I've seen only one of them work. <laughs> yeah. Know, the other one doesn't really seem to work. So. Right. Yeah. I mean, just, I mean, exactly. Like just, you know, it's like even my kid, like seeing him grow up and go through things. I know you're a dad too. Like you see them get frustrated or, th or go, I can't do this, you know? And I'm like, you can do that. Yeah. <laughs> you can't do it yet. You right. know, I can't do it. Like, but anyone, you can do this, you know, like mm -hmm. this is. You have to just put the word yet at the end of it, you know, if you really believe and you really have the faith because you think anybody that did anything in the world thought they could do it at first. You know, it's like you have to just start somewhere, you know, and then or with with any part of it with production DJing or any of that or creating big, big projects that seem impossible. Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah, I think sometimes like making I don't know. Just following your path is about seeing beyond what's in front of you to really what you're going for. Yeah. And I mean, it's not just like it's, you know, be have faith and you'll, you know, good luck. Right. <laughs> like right. it requires like an incredible it's amount of. It's not a blind faith yeah. and, and a delusional faith. There's right. like a, a thing. It's a of, lot of hard work, you know, yeah. that's got to be attached to that for sure. And right. And listening to, to signals that maybe will be criticism or constructive criticism, whether it's from people, whether it's from the world showing you certain things, mm -hmm. not make you quit, but make you notice and be just as alert as when you're reading a crowd DJing, you should be within your career of things that are guiding you certain places. You yeah, know? for sure. I think, um, the skills of a DJ are really important out in the world. Yes. Like, like listening and understanding history. Yes. And like, you know, like, you know, whatever, like, you know, all, all of the, I have a thing I used to do um, with a USC professor named Josh Kuhn called the art of the crossfade. And it was all about how, you know, the DJ mixer as a metaphor 
for mixing together cultures and I people and all those kinds of things. But that the tools, you know, of a DJ are really relevant out in the world for that reason. We're, we're good at combining things. We're good at finding points of connection, you know, like between these two things that are separate and you want them to go together. And maybe, you, you know, the whole thing is about finding a way to make that work. Yeah. And I think that those skills are really important skills in general out in the world. So, you know, it's DJs true. have an advantage, I think, in this moment in history because they, they, you know, they, they're trained to listen. They're trained to look for connections. And I don't know. I think that's what the world is. No, it's so true. Like of. so many people that come on this podcast and then do different things, but it all comes back to that. You know, I mean, whether they're an A and R whether like whatever thing they're doing business wise, all of the lessons from DJing play into that and make yeah. them better. And it, it comes from that, like you said, reading the crowd, like listening, knowing history, knowing how to interact with people, knowing how to take risks. I mean, also uh, bringing people together, bringing like, people together in a way that, you know, is uh, very unique. Yeah. You know, like what else can bring people together in that way without anything being said and everyone no is on the same way. doesn't even have to speak the same language at yes. all. Literally just sounds, you know, and facial movements, if that, <laughs> you know, but like, yeah. Right. But that's a powerful thing. I think, yeah. you know, you forget about that. You know, one of the gifts of doing this for a living is that you really are, you know, you have the opportunity to send out vibrations <laughs> yeah. in all directions. I think about what I'm doing like that. Um, Mumu Fresh, who's an amazing artist who's, you know, working with me on Story to Tell Chapter yeah, 2. Yeah, she's incredible. I spoke to her recently and, uh, you know, I said, you know, kind of what, what are you doing? And she's like, I'm just, I'm, I'm singing in healing frequencies. I wow. was like, <laughs> you know, just like, but just like that to be that intentional about what you're doing musically and, and what it's putting out in the world is pretty yeah. powerful. And, and so I think like as DJs, you got to remember that, you know, like you have, there's a lot of power there. Yeah. <laughs> so you want to, you want to harness that power and do something with it, you know? Right. Yeah. And I think also remember that even if you feel like people aren't listening, they are, you know, the right people will hear you and are listening. You know, if you're putting out the right, energy, vibration, sounds, it will reach the right people eventually, you know, as eventually. long as you have patience and yeah. uh, faith. <laughs> I mean, patience is another super important part of this because I yeah. will say this, people, you know, and I laugh at this now because people come up to me and they call me OG. Right. And I realize like 50 years from now, like they're going to group me with a tribe called Quest. They don't realize that I'm some kid that grew yeah. up idolizing them and then eventually got to right. work with them in, in that way. But the patience part is, especially in this version of the world where, you know, the internet is like a time warp, you know, yeah. you can put something into it and no one hears it. And it's like, guys, like, well, you know, what happened? And then, uh, you know, a year later it gets picked up and, you know, kaboom. Yeah. And I think that's definitely been a thing I've watched over the last couple of years for me, because mm -hmm. the things that are happening now for me, I tried and failed to make them happen many, many times. Right. And, and, you know, and I just never gave up and, yeah. and it sort of arced around to a moment, you know, even certain songs, you know, we've made years ago that didn't arrive for their moment until, and it's not like it's in my control. No. And sometimes that's super frustrating, but it's also like, Watching what happens if you're patient and you let things happen in their own time, you realize, well, damn, like maybe it was supposed to happen like this. I should just shut the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Yeah, so, you're right. Yeah, yeah. And, and I think a lot of people quit before it's, you know, they, they let that get um, the best of them, you know, and go, oh, yeah. well, nobody cared. Okay, I'm done. It's not yeah. meant to be, you know. Yeah. And I think that patience does apply to DJing too because DJs want to they're insecure about what's happening they want to change the song you know or right. change the vibe or change the genre or oh, this isn't good or you know and it's like 
let it breathe, be, you know, let people feel the music. It's yeah. not as crazy as you think it is, you know, let, let time go by a little bit and yeah. let things seeds get planted and things happen, you know, so totally. you got to build a night up, you got to build a party for years, you know, or yeah. whatever it is like the, all the projects take time. I think, yeah. And I think that, you know, whatever the faith, the patience, the love is, is like, gives you that drive to, you know, to wait it out yeah. <laughs> kind of. True. And, and also I think you always have to be perpetually building and creating and, and making it as much as you can yeah. without knowing what the outcome is going to be. Right. Um, that's one of the things I've learned is I used to try to, you know, I would sit down and make my best version of mob deep beats. If you leave me alone in a room, but then, you know, watching what happens if you allow a thing to marinate and, and go through different forms and maybe it goes over here and it becomes this. And then this guy plays on it and Oh man, like now it's this. And I've seen yeah. that happen and it's awesome. And it's really from waiting it out until it feels like, Oh, Okay. Like yeah, that's a, that, that's a thing. And if you're sure. a good listener, if you know, you pay attention, you can identify those things and then kind of, you know, go yeah. that direction. Yeah. DJing teaches us everything. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's so. incredible. That, that, that was so dope. And then, you know, we mentioned the live mixtape and how some of the places you've done it. I mean, like you said, the Kennedy center, yeah. Smithsonian, and I kind of flew through those on the yeah. way. Just but I mean, let's ground. get into that. So, yeah. I mean, you know, you've, You've been known for your mixtapes over the years, and you've done these incredible mixtapes, you know, Lauren Hill, Mary J. Blige. I mean, uh, so many of them, right, Tribe? Like mm-hmm. like these themed mixtapes that had stories behind them and took our favorite songs by our favorite artists and then reimagined them in these crazy ways and put them into a thing that you could listen to for 60 minutes or mm-hmm. 80 minutes, you know, all the way through and feel like we were... In this world, you know, mm-hmm. you were creating the hip hop metaverse, you know, before <laughs> right. on a CD or a tape, you know, right. before it was even a thing. Right. And it, it was our brain imagining <laughs> it. Um, and then, mm. you know, you took that and turned it into the live mixtape, which was sort of like it's only right. Like, like this was the ev- natural evolution of that, mm-hmm. you know, but you also could have not done that. So <laughs> I think that it's dope that you actually executed that and took it to that level and yeah. to see where that's gone. You know, you were doing with Black Thought at the Roots Picnic yep. and then you've just kind of gotten it bigger and bigger. And I think other people have seen what you've done with it and they've been like, oh, I'm going to they gravitate towards you and and trust you the way Questlove trusted mm. you with the 50th anniversary. Put me in coach moment. <laughs> You're getting some more put me in coach moments you know uh with with these artists that you've looked up to and yeah. go okay i'll do a, an event with you at this place and trust you to yeah put, have me rapping over some other artist thing that probably 20 years ago they wouldn't have done yeah. um and so, in a lot yeah. of cases not to interrupt you but in a lot yeah. of cases that too was a lot of patience and I'm building sure. that trust over long periods of time with some of these iconic people right. who have never really done things like that. Right. Like Rakim. Yes. Rakim. I mean, the New Year's Eve Rakim thing that you put together. Yeah. That seemed like something that probably never would have happened or could have happened. Or how did you even do that? <laughs> and will it ever happen again? I mean, you know, again, it's like I could really chart out the evolution of that. And it starts with like, you know, me being a like scrawny little DJ kid meeting Rakim backstage and just being like, oh my God, it's Rakim. Right. And then, you know, that happening over years yeah. and time. And um, and me eventually, when I had made some of these mixtapes for big artists pitching his manager, I'd love to do a, a Rakim mixtape. Right. And mind you, I, I waited 10 years from that moment <laughs> until I actually got to do it. Like wow. I, because of course, like he's Rakim, I want to do a Rakim mixtape from Jump. So I only met, you know met him at a certain point where I could even propose it. But really, the way that that happened was um, I was approached by um, 
uh, a guy named Bryn Hill, who's actually my cousin, and he was working with Adobe. And Adobe was looking for um, someone to open up their uh, Adobe Max conference, but a, a hip-hop artist. And, oh. and so they wanted to make something that was essentially what I do on a mixtape, the interview and the music, but with a live performance of the music and a live interview. And I was like, that's incredible. You know, and I said, what if we do rock him? It's like foundational. That's the perfect first person to do. Yeah. And started building this idea out. And, you know, what came out of it was incredible on so many different levels. You know, getting to have that moment with Rakim, getting to produce something on the level where he looked at it and was like, this is awesome. Like, I like you, kid. <laughs> yeah. You know, like that. And then I think from there, when it, it aired, it was only on Adobe Max. And we actually retained ownership of that video. So we then went to go air it again. And I proposed that, okay, what if we do New Year's Eve and we do another live thing? But this time I get to do the thing I've really been waiting to do, which is Rakim. Here's like a Biggie beat. Here's a Jay-Z beat. Here's a Dre beat. Yeah. Here's a Mob Deep beat. You know, here's a Nas beat. And oh my goodness, you know, because I had earned his trust. He agreed to do this. And yeah. because I hold Rakim in the highest respect, I was like, if we're going to do this, we got to do this right. Yeah. And so, you know, I think there were a number of people, um, stage it, I think helped us air, air that, um, yeah. Oh, yeah. at the time. Um, and yeah, cause it was pandemic. -y it was definitely time. pandemic time. Um, <laughs> it was at least it was, it was two years 10, ago, right? Yeah. It was 2020, 2020 new year's Eve. 2020. Um, I think so. Yeah. It was right in the heart of it. Yeah. Um, cause story to tell my album came out in 2021 after that. But long story, you know, long right. story long, uh -huh. what ends up happening is we do this New Year's Eve and it just was amazing. Yeah. And it was really interesting because, you know, during the pandemic, we all were doing this thing of imagining the audience, you know, wherever yeah. they are in our right. little phone. But um, I'd spoken to Big Daddy Kane after he did this live, you know, his first live uh, live stream, yeah. which is amazing. And, you know, Nas and Ghostface and all these people oh, were yeah. in there. I don't know if you if you saw it. But when I called that him, was not the verse. Was it? No, uh, it wasn't his verses. It was literally like, you know, when this whole thing started, he did a, just a live performance in his basement. Oh, I don't think I saw that. It, it was awesome. Crazy. But, but when I when I asked him afterwards, he was like, you know, I had to imagine the stadium because it was like my son, my wife and my mother in law <laughs> in the basement. And so, you know, wow. with, with Rakim, when we when we did that, I think it was his first live stream. And so I, I, I said, you know, this is what Kane said to me, you know, like in terms of that. And so I, he really had to kind of imagine it because he hadn't done that. But man, did he do an incredible job of like oh, ra yeah. rapping to every, you know, the whole world and killing it. And um, I honestly don't even know what happened. You know, like if you asked me after that was done, like what happened, I would have no idea. Like, like blackout I'm, status. Completely, <laughs> totally. Because I just wanted it to come off yeah. and just be awesome. And, you know, the result of that, even when it, ha when it happened, it was awesome to us, but like not that many people saw it live on New Year's Eve. Well, then it's a hard night, you know, yeah. Well, no, but, it, it, you know, the point is just that the phenomenon that has come from that right. only happened when we started chopping it up and putting it onto the internet. And people are like, wait a second, is that Rakim? Like, when yeah. did that happen? Right. <laughs> and yo, he sounds amazing. And what is, and just all this stuff. Right. So, you know, in that way, it, it just it sort of came out of nowhere, but it also was like a really long arcing, yeah. you know, like the movie where they, they, they do the, the magic trick where the thing's in the tree for 20 years and the tree grows around it. And right. That's the, like, that's the trick. Right. You just had to wait 20 <laughs> years to do the magic trick. Right. So, yeah, it was, it was wow. like that. Yeah. 
That's so cool. Yeah. That, that's a great story. So then you were able to take the live mixtape and like what, you know, it went on an insane run just this year alone. Like yep. what were some of the highlights or do you want to just discuss everything it did this Man. year? Um, I mean, you know, we started with, um, I think the Blue Note, well, Blue Note Jazz Festival wasn't until later. So, so that was the first live mixtape. I did a, sort of a jazz thing. I called it a jazz thing live mixtape. And that was just me up on stage first time doing that sort of since the pandemic okay because during the pandemic when the live mixtape couldn't be on stages i kind of did an adapted version where i would make a live mixtape live streaming and it would still be themed and i would still mix in things and every week i was making new edits right i watched you do it on instagram right yeah yeah but on instagram but but what i ended up doing was i really treated that like the concept which is that i recorded the mixtape we wanted to put it up as a mixtape i put them on Bandcamp, you know every one of them and got Dan Lish, you know, to do art and made it into a real thing. But so I've never done that on stage before where it's like, okay, now I'm going to make a mixtape live on stage, but in front of people. Wow. Yeah. And I did this at the blue note. That was sort of the first iteration. I haven't put it out yet, mm-hmm. but um, oh, the, Ken- okay. the Kendrick mix I played on sway that was born for that. I remember yeah. I mean, because I remember you doing, I had heard that before Yeah, and was, I had heard you that? do that maybe even post it before too. Well, I did it on Serato, the Serato hip hop 50 mix. That's what it was. I did it live. Cause it was Dave Brubeck. Yeah. You remixed the Dave Brubeck yeah, into a, a hip hop beat. Yep. And then you put the, um, Kendrick Lamar element, Kendrick Lamar over it. Yeah. And it was like his cadence went like perfectly with the piano and the chop and the yeah. thing and the drums come. And then the drums come in like halfway through yeah. and him it, rapping over just the, like the piano is so ill. Yeah. It was like, die beginning. for this dude, dude, dude. Like the way it worked. It was yeah. like really perfect. Yeah. No, it came together, but that was one that I had done for that. And so, you know, I, I did that live. And then from there, um, you know, there's a series of parties after parties I end up getting asked to do. I did this amazing after party at Blue Note with Jazzy Jeff where Nas got up on the mic and starts rhyming. Wow. That was crazy with trauma also. Um, shout out to trauma. Um, and then, you know, from there, um, there was just this crazy idea of a Big Daddy Kane rock him show in my mind. Right. And it grew and grew into this spectacle that we ended up doing, you know, you know so much so that, you know, like I said, we did jackets for it. And I had um, uh, a couple of sort of 50th that weren't hip hop 50, but Nas's 50th birthday party, which I mentioned before. Yeah. Again, happened out of nowhere. Just like I got a call a few days before. I had been doing some things for Nas over the last year. Right. And, you know, Nas is my original favorite rapper. Oh, yeah. So I'm just like, you know, when Nas calls, I'm like, well, what are we doing? <laughs> right. But, um, you know, I, I got the the honor of DJing his, his 50th birthday party, which was amazing. And then... It sounds like an honor and a lot of pressure. <laughs> uh, well, you know, it was funny because Jazzy Jeff, who is, you know, I'd say very much my mentor, you know, in all of this and, and yeah. has, you know, put so many people on. Yeah, of course. Um, and through the Playlist Retreat, um, excuse me, yeah, through the Playlist Retreat also taught me a lot about producing and so forth. Okay. But Jeff was the other DJ that night and we weren't sure who was supposed to go when. And when Jeff saw me as the other DJ, he's like, oh, okay, I can chill. And I really was like, yo, like history will remember me as Jazzy Jeff's understudy. I was like, and I'm cool with that. Right. Yeah. hundred <laughs> percent cool with that. Yeah. And I, jo- I joked, I told him and he was laughing and his wife was laughing, but he's like, no, he, he trusts you to get up there and do that with him. And again, that's one of those things where what can I ask for more than to earn, you know, Jazzy Jeff's trust or Questlove's huge trust. Yeah. So, you know, those are also really big experiences for me. Yeah. Those moments. Of course. Yeah. And then, you know, the Lincoln center show was kind of my big, you know, tent pole. And then, 
I was so focused on that, but also building another show behind that with Queen Latifah, who I'd never worked with before. And, you know, was so again, you know, honored Latifah's. Oh yeah. Um, and, and I will say that when you walk in a room with her, you feel this, like she has like an, an aura, like you really sure. tangibly feel it. And, and she just was so great to work with. Um, so that show happens and the stage is here. The Smithsonian African American Museum is there and the Washington Monument <laughs> is there. Wow. And that's the setting for that. So, you know, each of these is kind of like I need to film it to then go back and watch it to believe that it happened. Because yeah. in the moment, you know, as you know, you can't process. No. Um, you know, I saw um, Sway recently and he was talking about how it's impossible for him to process things as a fan when he's working. Yeah. And that he very much like me needs to see it played back afterwards totally. to know that it happened of course and i feel like my whole year has been filled with those kind of moments it's amazing and you know i don't know how to even explain it except to say that i've you know i've been doing this a long time and you know i have been pretty consistent in what i love and what i'm about yeah and you know yeah and it has led to this insane place where i get to do this and that and djing you know after parties for Chappelle, msg and just all oh of these God, things. God, I that saw like, that. Yeah. What was that like? I mean, that that whole relationship has really been amazing because when I met him, you know, through Jerobi, actually, from A Tribe Called Quest, okay. first night I met him, he's like, wait, Jay Period, you did that Q-tip mixtape. And I was like, like, wait, what? Like, he's like, I, but I, I would, that doesn't surprise me because <laughs> totally. he's such a fan. He's like, such a hip hop head. And he knows what's up with everything. So that's. Yeah. Dope, super dope, but also not super surprising. Right. But that's amazing. <laughs> yeah, but that, that's sort of how this started. And from then it was like, you know, okay, you know, he, he was like, literally, do you have your stuff with you? I was like, my DJ stuff? He's like, yeah, you're DJing the after party. I was like, okay. And, you know, like DJ the after party with trauma that night. And and then, you know, this sort of relationship started where um, I was dreaming of having him be the narrator of my right. storybook you yeah. know, for years before I got the courage to ask. And even then, it was another year before he actually could do it. Could Well, did it. Or and did it was it. only because in the pandemic, I literally drove nine hours to Yellow Springs, Ohio to get him to record wow the stuff i put my family in the car really i was like i was like huh? i was like told my wife i was like i'm gonna ask you to do something i need you to say yes before i even ask you <laughs> <laughs> and we drove nine hours to yellow springs in the middle of the pandemic and you know again we'll talk about a leap of faith and so what was he like just come out here and then i'll do it or well, they i mean they had at the time he like was one camp. of the first people that got a, a pcr testing machine right and was like testing people and so he had this little like you know, summer cocoon. camp or whatever it was. Yeah. yeah. And I went to that and I got the, the sort of the, oh, wow. the, the dialogue from him there. Oh, that's great. And so when I came back again, it sort of all started to form, but I, I, I felt this thing of like, okay, now that I've got that, I really, really need to lift the level of everything. And I just went to town. And by the time I was done, I felt like I had earned his respect. Yeah. And so I would then again, again, like occasionally get a call and MSG thing was the same thing. A couple of days before, hey, you know, Dave's coming to town next week. And I'm like, you know, whatever you need, I got you. And yeah. And then the next thing you know, I'm DJing, you know, to open up every night, you know, after MSG. And oh, dope. Yeah, yeah, just awesome. But again, you know, the one thing that's been great about getting into these rooms with people that you might dream about is to find out how many of them are like super down to earth. Yeah. Really, you know, like brilliantly, you know, and creative and intelligent and also just love hip hop. Right. Love it. Like I love it. You know, yeah. like we can like we can you know, like I can go anywhere in the world and bond with someone just on that. Oh yeah. It's the same thing. And yeah. that's kind of awesome. 
That's so, so awesome. Yeah. Is have you ever had any bad experiences <laughs> like with in, people uh, with meeting people that you maybe thought were going to be cool and weren't? <laughs> oh, for sure. But really, we, we don't we don't tell those stories. <laughs> but um, there are a few there are a few of my heroes I've met that I've been disappointed, you know, with let's say their character. Okay. But you know, I also I, I try to give people a really wide berth. You know, like yeah. what you love somebody for and what they what their life is like is not necessarily the same thing. Yeah. And I've seen that with a lot of people at this point in time and also the ways in which people, what it looks like from the outside and what it looks like from the inside are True. very, very different. So, you know, I've had a couple of experiences like that, but you know, the, for the most part, my experiences have been really positive meeting folks. Yeah, that's good. And, and what about like from some of those, uh, any like standout stories from those like Nas's 50th birthday or the Chappelle shows or Man. things that you could tell that were like, other experiences there that were crazy that stand out or I mean there's there's really there's so many of them I mean you know I can tell you that um you know I got a text from Nas after the the party that okay. was like like essentially like you're the, you're the best DJ is like how he put it and I was like I don't care if he only feels that way right then <laughs> like you know I'm framing that for all time yeah and you know that one for sure I mean there've been there've been crazy stories I think in the the execution of some of these things mm -hmm. for sure um but I think you know for the most part this year I I just have been like hold on you know <laughs> for the ride yeah. cuz you don't know where it's going to go right and, um, I mean, nothing like necessarily wild and insane. I mean, yeah. I think that blue note party where Jeff is DJing and Nas gets up on the mic, which apparently he never has done at a party. That was for me, you know, standing there like just insane. Yeah. Um, I mean that part, I will say like the window seat to some of these things. Right. Just being able to be there as a fan, not even the DJ part of it. Huh? Yeah. No, for sure. And, and I think that that part never leaves, you know, people are like, don't ever lose that. I'm like, how would I lose? That? Yeah. Like, I'm still very happy to be here. Yeah. So, you know, that part, you know, has just kind of like made it. So I'm wide eyed and enjoying the whole thing. Yeah. And that's pretty much what my year has been like. So I think afterwards i can probably or when the camera stops i can tell you some crazy stuff okay, okay. <laughs> um we'll bleep it out no <laughs> no one will hear it the names um, have been changed to protect the, the innocent yeah. put 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 a voice changer on um what about um so so we we discussed hot sauce you know your song and we discussed how you had the part one of the album the part two drops in february mm -hmm. uh chapter two uh mm -hmm. of which is your second part of your album, right? Mm -hmm. um, do you want to discuss that a little bit more? I know yeah. we talked about it in the beginning, but I mean, just kind of give people some insight into what to expect mm. from that and then the work that's gone into it and yes. any other interesting um, stuff. I mean, it's, you know, Story to Tell is sort of my um, taking the idea of what I was doing on the mixtapes of weaving music yeah. and story together and, you know, trying it in original form. And so this has been a, a long arcing experiment over the last like seven years. Right. I mean, you know, testing my beats out against people and being like, nah, got to go back to the drawing board, you know, perpetually. Right. Until I felt like I was creating something, you know, that, that you know, whatever could uh, measure up. Yeah. But 
it really has turned into just sort of a story of collaborations and um, a lot born out of the playlist retreat um, and the idea of just kind of rocking with people that inspire you yeah. and then what comes from that and how you mutually motivate and inspire each other. Mm-hmm. And that was sort of the, the mentality of the playlist retreat. And it, and it gave us an opportunity to, to test it and try it out and, you know, experiment with it. And so when I went out to make my album, that became the story of how I was making my album. I'm gathering these groups of people together and just watching this thing spark out of it and hoping that there will be threads that I can weave together, but not knowing. Yeah. And so, you know, for story to tell chapter one, it was much more sort of a literal and linear, like this song, like I said, goes into that and goes into that. It's chapter two is more abstract. Um, but there's a poem by a poet named Maida Del Valle, who I met, you know, years ago doing deaf poetry, part of that Norman Lear tour that, that we were talking about earlier. Yeah. Um, but you know, Maida does a piece that's sort of talking about, like I said, pouring your heart into what you love. And that's kind of the backdrop, but the songs themselves are very different. Again, you know, R&B, soul, reggae, you know, some jazz influenced, Andrew Day and Aloe Black, you know, that's rants from 1500 or nothing. J-Mo, Khalil, myself, right. Stro Elliott, um, Cut the Line is Joss Stone and Cardinal Official. Again, oh, okay. totally unlikely pairing, right. but listen to it and watch. Yeah. And that um, comes out of a collaboration I did with Joss. Um, it was kind of a trade where I did a, a record for her and, and she gave me okay. a record for my album. And that song is another one of my favorites, like reggae flavor Dope. to it. And then um, Better Half is Mumu Fresh and um, Aaron Camper, who goes by Camp now. Okay. But um, a song that grew out of the Playlist Retreat, literally like at the Playlist Retreat, wow. written there. Um, and then, you know, again, all these have evolved into this whole other thing. Yeah. And um, I'm really proud of the songs on this one. I think the first one, you know, it was like star-studded affair with, you know, Dave Chappelle and Lin-Manuel. And yeah. it was my first I mean, you were on The Tonight Show. We did go on like, The Tonight Show. Like, what the hell, dude? Like, Jimmy Fallon was holding up your vinyl, <laughs> playing, the talking about it. I mean, that was so dope to see. I was like, oh, my God. I was, was like that was watching you just, like, happy. Like, this is crazy. Yeah, that was completely insane. And Jimmy Fallon knew what was up, too, right? Well, many years of going up to I mean, Fallon, obviously, Questlove is part of that and the roots and everything. But, yeah. but well, still. For years, the way I would get to see and collaborate with Black Thought or Questlove is I would go up to Fallon before the tapings and oh, just get okay. to there in the green room. And I could just kind Got of it. connect dots with them. And I would do that a lot. And, um, you know, during the pandemic, obviously that stopped, but years of that, I was giving Jimmy Fallon mixtapes and like Jimmy Fallon is a hip hop head. Yeah. I can imagine. So, you know, I had given him the Biggie mixtape and he loved it. Wow. And then in 2011, when we did the wake up mixtape with John Legend and the Roots, I actually asked Jimmy Fallon to do this little interlude because he was on the wake up. Uh, I don't remember what he had done a version of it. I think of one of the songs. Okay. Um, well, no, that's, I'm sorry, that's Hamilton mixtape. He was on the Hamilton mixtape singing one of the records. But point being right. that I had him do an interlude. You know, he knew about the mixtapes. It was a thing. So there's this really dope moment backstage where he comes over and he's like, man, I'm just so, I'm so happy for you. You know, you've been coming here for so long and da, da, da. And it yeah. really was a genuine that's moment because he's been seeing me there. Right. But, you know, it was never in the stars for me to be on The Tonight Show. No, so, that's uh, huge. Completely I mean, crazy. And that was, you know, thanks to Dave Chappelle, who was, you know, going on there for The Midnight Miracle at the exact same moment that I was doing. Yes, his song, podcast. Which is in okay. collaboration. And so it just made sense to do it. Right. And that's how it, it came to be. But, you know, to, to be on there with Black Thought and Tiffany Goucher and to have the artwork, you know, the Danlish artwork, and yeah. to play with the roots. I mean, again, all time moment for me. So Had to watch cool. the tape, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> to be like, yo. <laughs> oh, it was really dope. Yeah, 
So and, yeah, that's amazing. And speaking of the the Hamilton mixtape, I mean, didn't you win a Grammy for that? Uh, not a Grammy, but I did get my first uh, Billboard number one album for the Hamilton. Okay, mixtape. okay, that's what it was. Yeah, I gold, knew there I have was a gold record for that, which is that's my what only it was. One of gold those. record. Yeah, I mean, honestly, you know, it's just better, better than behind Grammy. me and all my DJ sets. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you're hey like, guys. look at this, <laughs> motherfucker. So um, my, my only one, I got to display it. <laughs> no, it's huge. I mean, and and that was a big album for many generations in a way. You know what I mean? I feel like mm-hmm. that was a sort of an album that older people and kids, I'd go over and like my nephews are rapping along. Oh, yep. my, like my parents know about it. Everybody <laughs> knows about it. You know, it was a, a universal thing, I yeah. think, you know, and obviously it's, it's connected to such a huge legendary ongoing production. Mm-hmm. Um, but it and was a crazy uh, story. <laughs> really? Well, you know, that the the sort of the craziest part of that is that yeah. I was approached to do something for Hamilton before Hamilton was Hamilton. Oh, okay. It was right after the Tupac, you know, the sort of came and went Tupac musical that not many people know about. But oh, yeah. the team from that, several of them were working on this new and thing. And was that Lynn Manuel too? Yeah, or? no, it was Lynn, but oh no, the other one wasn't. Oh, um, that's what I was saying. The Tupac, yeah. yeah no. no, it was. Okay. I mean, Saul Williams was in it, and his manager is a guy named Saul Guy. He okay. was. He connected me with Riggs Morales at Atlantic Records initially for this little-known thing called Hamilton. The first <laughs> demo that I made was the cast recording of Ten Shot Commandments mixed with Biggie Ten Crack Commandments. This, oh wow! This exists. I, like I pitched it and everything. It sounds dope. <laughs> but so I presented that, and that was sort of this thing that was hanging in the air while the arc of Hamilton went like this. And by the end of that, I was like, well, I guess I'm not doing a mixtape. And then Questlove, again, God bless him, calls me into Electric Lady Studios. And he's like, I need, you know, I need to come in. I need you to work on this thing. And he, he knew about what I had done before. Uh-huh. But I didn't know about what he had in mind. And he calls up Lin-Manuel on FaceTime and hands me the phone. And he's like, here, you guys go figure it out. And I was like... Hi, Lynn Manuel Miranda. <laughs> and I literally went to the other room of Electric Lady and I sat in a, in, in a corner and he, you know, I talked to him for a minute. And he was like, how much do you know about, you know, the thing? At this point, I'd been listening to the cast album, you know, Hamilton was Hamilton and I loved it. And I was like, he's like, well, I think we should do it like this. The label thinks we should do it like this. And I was like, well, I have a, a kind of a different idea. Can I have a minute to sort of, you know, write it down for you? And I started writing it and I was like, there's no way I'm going to be able to convince these people from writing it. I got to make it. Right. So I right. literally sat in the corner of Electric Lady for the next eight hours and I made a demo of the whole thing wow. with like the rough mixes. Uh-huh. And I turned that in. And by the following day, they were like, okay, new plan. Like, this is the plan. We're doing this. And of the final product, it's probably 95% amazing made that one night. You That's know? dope. And then the, the versions of the songs change a little. Yeah. But again, one of these things where I just was thrown into the mix and I was like, oh, wait, I can do that. Oh, oh wait, and I can do that. And that. Yeah. And then suddenly I'm like, oh, shit, like we just did that. Right. And that's how I met my engineer, Mixed by Blue, who mixed all of the story to tell stuff. Okay. Um, and it, it really just sort of introduced me to another side of this. Yeah. You know, how it happens when it, you know, in the room where it happens, you know. Right. <laughs> so yeah. to speak. Wow. Yeah. So that was that was sort of an incredible beginning to this next phase where I was like, wait, we can like put an album out as a mixtape? Like, is that really a thing? And I think that's what started this in my mind, you know. Wow, that's so cool. Yeah. And and I I we you mentioned it earlier, the Norman Lear thing, mm. you know, R.I.P. He just passed away. Yes. I mean, such a legendary person, amazing life. Just really, you know, seems like 
you know, he has so many incredible things about him, but I think something that just from the outside I would notice is, is the listening. He seemed to be able to listen to everyone and everything and never be closed off by like mm. age or something, right? Like even all the way up till his final days, like he seemed to be able to be in touch with the time and what was happening and, and be able to hear things. And even watching some videos you posted of him, like he's clapping perfectly on beat. That's not that common for that like when he was like 89. That's what I'm saying. That's not that <laughs> common for like an old white man. You know what I mean? Or whatever. Like, I don't know. You know how you say Norman it? Like there is no ordinary man. Exactly. So, but you know what I mean? Like just that alone, he was clapping on beat to like yeah. someone like oh, rapping. Feeling it. I know. And I'm like, it. that just shows like the people that listen and take mm. things in from the world, like for sure. will be able to internalize that in a different way. And then, export things out of themselves, yeah. you know, in well, and, a different way too. Right. Yeah. And, and so I know you had a crazy connection with him. I read the story in your caption, but if you want to talk about it on here, it was pretty cool to read. I didn't know any of that. Yeah. I mean, you know, Norman Lear, I do think it's true. I think it's, he's an amazing listener. I think he also has a well of energy that I have never seen in any human being ever. Right. Yeah. Like when I met him, he was 80. So, you know, 20 years ago and yeah. he was like, the most animated, you know, present kind of person. And so it is true, you know, what you're saying. But honestly, the way that it started is I was early on in my DJ career, you know, trying a lot of things out. Yeah. And I got a call saying, you know, they're looking for this, uh, someone to be basically the DJ for a tour. But the tour is taking the Declaration of Independence around the country. And I was like, meh, I don't know about that. And they're <laughs> right. like, no, they got deaf poets. And it's a whole thing. That's dope. And so they want you to make, a, you know, can you make a demo? And the demo that I made was, it was like a flip of Jefferson Airplane White Rabbit. And um, the Martin Luther King, I have a dream speech. Like I just like chopped them together yeah, in this amazing. really ill way. Okay. And I sent that in and then they called me in for this meeting. And it was just like I told in this sort of Instagram caption that he listened to, you know, maybe 30 seconds of it. And because he was such a good listener, he was, you know, that's all he needed to hear. He stopped yeah. the tape and he's like, okay, you know, and that's like, it was like he identified something. Right. He's like, you made this, you're hired. <laughs> no, but it literally was like that. But that, that sort of, to me demonstrates like that he's a person that sees through everything to like what the heart of it is. Yeah. And he saw that and he, and he gave me an opportunity before I really was, you know, I'd never done that before Yeah. and was thrown into it and had to figure it out. But it became this incredible year for me where we went to 50 cities around the country. We registered 2 million voters like Andre 3000 became one of the spokespeople for this campaign oh my God. It's called declare yourself. And then beyond that, it gave me a reason that I was coming to LA for a week out of every month for the whole year. Yeah. And during that time, as it happens, when I'm in New York, I meet Rohan Marley in a club and give him some mixtapes. And then he's moving to LA and he, and a couple weeks later he calls me up like J period. I need some more mixtapes. And I start coming to LA and going to see him. And this is sort of how the Lauren Hill mixtape is born. Oh, is, you know, I said to him, I'd really love to do this mixtape. And he's like, you know, that's got nothing to do with me, but you know, you can reach out to her and propose it to her. But it was because I was coming out to LA that, that it was all set up. And that was by way of, of Norman Lear. So I said he made the Lauren Hill mixtape possible. Cause that's true. He did. Oh, how dope. <laughs> yeah. Um, and you know, and, and the Lauren Hill mixtape, you know, just to continue that story, I start, you know, sending her emails and at first she's like, no, thank you. And again, I'm, I'm compelled and I write her and I say, listen, I totally respect that. But like, I have to make this, like, I need to hear these things together. I want to. And so I, I just kept going 
And, and eventually it came back around so that when I reconnected with her towards the end of this process, you know, there's this aligning of the stars night where I'm going to see the deaf poets from the tour. Mm-hmm. She's her first appearance back out in public and I'm there. And that's where I get the drop from her. That is sort of the spark for the whole thing. Wow. So, you know, it's so, like whatever, like just again, another cascade of things where like yeah. you're following something and you don't know where it's going. And then, whoa, you know, right. look where it led. <laughs> yeah. So, and I mean, every single story is you being there, you know what I mean? Showing up, going to the place, being there in person, not being afraid to put yourself out there, not being afraid to put your ideas out there, standing by them and pushing forward no matter what happens. And I think that some people will just sit in a corner and be too scared to do that, you know, and you have to do that and also be around in person around people, you know, no matter how hard that is, you know, and some people make excuses. Oh, I can't do that. It's like, well, then what are you going to (laughs) do? I think the other thing is like, you know, uh, when I was a kid, I I was not comfortable getting up in front of people. Like I was like getting, you know, I couldn't do like a book report without like, you know, so so there's been a real arc, you know, an evolution in terms of that. And I say that to say like, you know, there are people out there that might hear these stories and and now, I mean, they sound insane, you know, it's like, listen, I'm, you know, the, whatever. But it it was, first of all, it wasn't always like this. And second of all, I didn't always have the confidence to believe that it was possible. It it seemed completely impossible. Yeah. (laughs) And, you know, you had to kind of go beyond that. So, you know, going from not being able to get up in front of people to that, it's, you know, it's a mind trick, but it's, it's based in, I really want to do this. Like I yeah. got to figure out how to do this. Cause I really want to do this. <laughs> yeah. Cause you're never really on the mic. Are you sometimes, I mean, I have, I think improved in my mic skills when I need to, right. but I prefer to let the music speak. You know, yeah. mixtapes are all about letting the artists speak for themselves. That's yeah. why I'm interviewing them. You don't hear my voice interviewing them. It's their right. voice. Cause it's their story. And you know, the other ill part of that is approaching it like that has made real relationships with those artists. Yeah. So making the Lauren Hill mixtape created a real relationship, you know, with Miss Lauren Hill that yeah. continues to this day. I DJed her 40th birthday party. Wow. You know, and again, that's about, I think, holding these people up in the highest light, you know, yeah. and, and, and they see themselves reflected in that. And it's super easy to tear these people down. It's, it's super easy. Yeah. But what's the thing that you really love that, that drove you to it. And, you know, if you're going towards that, the illest thing that I've watched happen is the artists themselves see it reflected. And now, I, and now they understand me because mm-hmm. like who would approach their story in that way? You know, clearly I respect them clearly. Yeah. All those things. So, that's been another, you know, big thing in my sort of story. Right. Yeah. Crazy. <laughs> and what about you mentioned the Grandmaster Flash thing? Uh, yeah. What What's that? I mean, <laughs> you know, what, for me as a DJ, um, probably the greatest honor I've gotten this year was I was asked to go interview Grandmaster Flash at the Kennedy Center and part of this master class where he's doing the quick mix theory. Okay. But... What was amazing to me about it is that when I'm doing my research, I, I started piecing together the story. You know, we've heard the story about Herc as the the founder, you know, of hip hop. And he's yeah. the first. And, and you know, at the Kennedy Center a couple of weeks ago, I actually, as you saw the photo, I got to see him. Yeah, And I, and I got that. to go up to him. And, and it was awesome because I've met him before. But, you know, I never know he's going to remember me. And I said, J period. And he's like, oh, J period. And as soon as he realized I, I was a DJ, he's like, I got a record for you. 
Oh, and I wow. was like, I was like, that's amazing. Like, cause he's, a, oh, he's an older guy now. Yeah. That's his first instinct is he's a record guy. Yeah. And so in those early days, you know, he was finding the records. He was the one that was like, play this, play that. You know, he was, yes. but you know, flash who was younger. He comes in and, and he's like, I want to be able to make it so that the beat is continuous. Right. So that the song never stops. He had seen like house music DJs slowly, you know, mixing things seamlessly. Yeah. But he only wanted, you know, the break. He wanted like the eight, the eight yeah. to ten he seconds. He wanted to make a beat live. Yeah. yeah so there's no, no time to do that. Yeah. So what I realized is that he then goes about this series of sort of discoveries and, you know, engineering evolutions yeah. that make possible pretty much everything that we do. Yep. So first of them is there's a conical stylus and there's an elliptical stylus. The elliptical is, you know, round. It sits in the groove. It's got a much better stereo output. The conical stylus is like a nail a nail pin. Yeah. So when you're winding the record back, because he realized there wasn't enough time to even needle drop. If you only want eight seconds, you're going to have to wind it back. Yeah. So in order for that to work, the needle needs to stay in the record. But then how are you going to do that on the turntable? It depends on, you know, like yeah. the friction. So this is the other story that people, most people don't know this. Flash, he's testing out different turntables for their torque, which he calls, he doesn't know the term, he calls it the talk factor. So like from the time he pushes the button until the talking starts, that is his measure of whether or not he'll be able to release the record in real time. Oh, okay? wow. Yeah. So he, he then tries out different turntables. He sees a Techniques turntable. He says he sees like the pimples on the side in yeah. the store window, and he goes in and he tries it out. And the people in the store, they don't understand what he's asking, but he's like, he wants to know that. And he realizes he's found the one, so he takes it home. Okay? Wow. But then, you know, the thick rubber mat that it comes with, he's like, well, this isn't going to work. I need a way to like wind it back. So his mother is a seamstress. He goes to the fabric store and he's looking for trying for fabric fabrics. He sees felt. He's like, huh, takes the felt home, cuts it in the shape of a record, starches it, irons it, invents slip mats. He calls oh it, God. swear to God, he calls it a wafer because it reminded him of like the communion wafer. Right. Okay. Then he's like, the friction's still not quite right. You know, I need something else. And his mother would bake cookies on wax paper. So he cuts out the wax paper, puts it underneath the slip mat. I'm like, this is still what I use today, essentially. Yeah. What all of us use right. who are, you know, so he invents slip mats in the course of this. Then he's like, well, I need a way to mark the record. So he puts crayon in the groove. People are like, what are you doing? You can't do that. Right. <laughs> he puts a mark from the center. You know, any of us that might use a sticker to mark in Serato, he draws the line. So he now has like a point. So he can see it. He knows right. where it is. Okay. Yeah. So he solved the problem of the needle. He solved the problem of the location and the winding it back. And now he's like, well, I got to do this so fast that how am I going to do that? I got to do it by sight. So he figures out that if he lets go of the brake and, and four bars run, that if he winds it back, he's got to wind it six times. So every four bars is six revolutions back. Okay. Okay. Do you, you follow? Yeah, yeah, 100%. So then he's like, well, okay, drop that. And then it's like, you know, as this break is playing for those 10 seconds, he's like, one, two, three, four, five, six, ready? Okay. And then drops that one. Crazy. But what happens in the course of those series of evolutions is that he suddenly he makes it possible for the groove and the beat to stay going. You just invented hip hop. Like <laughs> everything that we do is based on that. So wow. rapping becomes possible. Okay. DJing becomes possible. The other thing that is crazy is that Flash and Herc as well, and Bam as well, mm -hmm. they're mining every genre. 
Right. So part of the origin, the foundation of hip hop is we're going to take from that and that and that and that, and we're going to take just the drum break. Yeah. And we're going to make these different things. And he, and flash the way he talks about, he's like white drummer, black drummer, Puerto Rican. He was thinking about it like that. We're going to make them talk to each other. Oh my God. So they're thinking about it in that way. And suddenly by doing that, it makes this possible. You know what Amazing. I'm saying? Yeah. So I was like, Flash is Albert Einstein. Like he like yeah. he invents all of these different things to figure out the math, the engineering, the physics, et cetera, Unreal. to make it possible just to run records. <clears throat> What's born from that? Looping, sampling, b-boying, the ability to keep dancing. The beat yeah. doesn't stop. Right. Rapping. Like it's all comes out of that. So, you know, this is something that I don't even think I wrap my head around fully. Until I got in and started doing the research. And so that conversation was so incredible that now Flash called me a week later and he's like, listen, I want you to come and we should do this again. So I'm trying to figure out like, where can we tell this story and show people? Yeah. Because I think that like in this year, especially, you know, we're celebrating this moment, August 11th and you know, all respect to Cool Herc as, you know, the originator and founder of hip hop. But from a DJ sense, you know, imagine Herc is more of a selector. He found the records. He played the records. Right. Flash is, you know. The technical like creator. Je you know, je he's like a step up from Jazzy Jeff. He's like the father of, you know, we're going to do all this and right. we're going to make you move and we're going to move your spirit. You know, like yeah. all those things together. So I, I think that for me as a DJ like I can't top that moment this year, you know, cause it's like a full continuum from the beginning of this, from like yeah. him as a little kid, seeing his dad, you know, go into the closet, take the black disc out. This is how he would describe it. Put it on the box, see the light turn on, lift the arm, you know, and all these things, his dad leaves, he goes into the thing. He wants to do it. You know, he's fascinated by it. Right. So from that all the way through to like, I use slip mats. I, do this. I do all the same things. Yeah. Like blew my mind. No, I mean, that blows so, my mind too. Yeah. Like I know a lot about the history stuff, but that's also just the way you told it. And like the way, I mean, that's, that's crazy. Oh my God. Completely crazy. That's unreal. Yeah. Um, so we'll see. But like, I think in my, I hope that there's a future to, to that part of, of telling the story. Cause yeah. I think there was a thing for a while where it was like a, a uh, you know, just a, what do you call it? Like a discrepancy yeah. over who did what. And yeah. when I saw it, I was like, well, no, 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 this makes sense. Like you, a DJ has two talents, like choosing and yes. selecting. Right. I mean, you're, that's the vibrations. That's what you're putting out. That's critical. Yeah. But also like mixing it and making it flow as you or any DJ out there right. who can do that knows is another level of that. So, you know, yeah. that part I was like, okay, now my full circle of full circles is now complete. That's amazing. So, yeah. So, so that, you're going to try to do that talk other places if you can. I mean, maybe, I don't know. We'll see. I just offered, you know, if, right. if you know, they so want. That's like an important so, piece of history yeah. and music history and just a lot of things go into that, you know, that yeah. I think is amazing to be shared and, and a conversation for people to witness firsthand and stuff. Totally. Well, also the part that for me resonated was the part about in the fabric of hip hop is the merging together of different cultures, of different ideas, of yes. different things that like that. Different genres, different races, different everything. ideals, different um, yeah. viewpoints or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. But I think that that to me, like, especially to discover that this year, I'm like, okay. Wow. Yeah. So yeah. cool. Yeah. 
So that was a big moment. <laughs> oh my God. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> That's so dope. Yeah. And it was also awesome because I got to see Herc a couple of days later. And, and so, you know, I wanted to have both. Yeah. Both, you know, it's, it's not like there's two versions, but it's like Herc had his experience. Yeah. Flash had his experience. And I want to understand the whole right joint. <laughs> Crazy. How, would you ever like uh try to make a an actual documentary movie you know and be be behind that because i feel like you you you've done so many things that are like that but it yeah. are not necessarily a i'm gonna turn on the j period movie you know but i mean i think there there's versions of that in the works um mm-hmm. and or you know maybe it's not a full length right thing you know like one of the things of approaching this as a fan is that I never have enough ego to think that anyone will care until I feel like I've always got to build myself up to a level where it will matter. One of the things that's been awesome to watch this year in being part of it is that realization that years from now people will look back and see me as part of the first 50 years of hip hop. And I'm like, yo, (laughs) that's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. So what, you know, what versions those stories take, I don't know. I, I think there's a visual version in my mind that I would like to do. The Rock Him, you know, one was a, a sort of blueprint. Yeah. <clears throat> excuse me, of that. But um, I think just pushing the boundaries on storytelling. Um, yeah. And I think hip hop as a medium for storytelling, unlike any other medium for storytelling, and particularly that idea of blending and merging and finding connections, um, you know, I'm all, I'm all about that. And I think that going forward, it's looking for stories that really embody that, that essence of hip hop, of, yes. like, of the bringing together, you know, like these are things that are needed out in the world yeah. and on a vibrational level, you know, totally. I'm about that. <laughs> yeah. No, no. I think, I mean, you'd obviously be great at it. And I think whatever story you decided to tell, I mean, even the one you just told, that was like a movie <laughs> in my head. That'd be so cool to be able to watch, show my kid, you know what right. I mean? Or take him to that talk if you did it live, you yeah. know? Because it is a very um, historical thing that gets muddied and lost and Mm -hmm. and people don't understand. And even with the jokes on TikTok and Instagram, you know, what does a DJ actually do? You know, like that little clip that everybody goes viral of because it's funny and the girl's crying about it. (laughs) That speaks to that. (laughs) The answer is an actual serious answer, you know, that maybe not everybody wants to hear, but like that. There is some amazing historical, artistic, um, just crazy things that that go into that, right? I mean, listen, even if you're DJing at a club and nobody's thinking about any of these things, the dynamic is still happening. You're still putting out vibrations and people are receiving that and it's moving their bodies, changing their disposition. Like that's that's a thing. And now you look at where DJing has gone, you know? And I mean, what, this weekend, like – there's a stadium here, uh, BMO Stadium. You know, it's where um, uh, the soccer team plays, like okay. LAFC. And, um, you know, someone invited me. They're like, yo, I got tickets to go to the John Summit show. You know, and I'm like, that's crazy that, like, a DJ. This guy, I just heard about him a couple of years ago, and I told a few people, and they didn't even know who he was. And he sold out a stadium in Los Angeles. Like, I mean, that's crazy you know like and just because because in a way you're like okay we've seen where djing could go or how big or ooh, calvin harris got a huge residency or tiesto did you know and these are on the edm front but even so like did did this festival like 
it's almost just getting started in a way. It's crazy that this dude could go sell out a stadium, you know, and things are just getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Yeah. And DJing is becoming incorporated in everything to every sports game, to TV shows, to museums, to the Grammys, to shows that w- they wouldn't even show someone getting an award for. And now they're doing a whole special for. Well, I think part of that is the awareness of that thing of the power of music for yeah. sure but i i think also it's like the um the 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 curatory skills you know of of a dj in terms of like setting a vibe and 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 i don't know it's it, yeah i i just i think that these skills are like i said are really important out in the world now and part of what you're seeing is yes. the reflection of that but it's also the reflection of the complete overwhelming amount of music and content yeah and all these things so like people need curators people need people to help them sift through yeah the noise True. to what's dope and i think that's where you're finding a musical component to all these things is like an awareness of the importance of that vibe although usually like as we know as djs is like t- thought about two days before and yeah you know, <laughs> right. under budgeted and so forth but but like the reality of that being that it's an important thing and also you know i think part of it is you know d nice in the pandemic mm-hmm. and the level that that got and the yep. impact of it and the importance of music to people during the pandemic. Yeah, I so agree. Like, now it's a different thing. Oh, so D nice was yeah. able to show the power and importance of music in such a crazy way. Yeah. And the like, doesn't matter who you are, how old you are, what's happening in your life. We're all connected by this one thing. And, um, you know, the way he did it on Instagram and it just connected everybody. And now it's come into come to fruition in the real world. And you can sell out the Hollywood bowl and go do these massive events and be respected, you know, in all types of circles. Yeah. It just shows that. And also people have now 20 year olds, whatever have grown up with DJing being a normal thing where we grew up with it. Like, (laughs) like you said, we were like, what's that person doing, you know, and run DMC and like, Oh, they're doing the turntables and the thing. I don't understand. Are they making the music, you know? And, and like you said, you're part of the first 50 years of hip hop, but really you got into it when it was not even 20 years old. Right. (laughs) Not to date you, but right. I mean, in a way, if you think about it, right, you're getting into it in the late eighties or early nineties. Yeah. And it was invented in the what late seventies. Yeah. So it's like a teenager, you know, and now it's 50. Yeah. It's crazy. So you're, you're more in it than not. Mm. I mean, it is interesting though, to be having this conversation here because it is like the, the beginning of that, in the birth of the DJ and the idea of the DJ and the merging and the blending and all those things that we're talking about is the beginning of this idea of how to use those skills out in the world and how to sift through all the chaos. So it's almost like it predates what's going to come next, which is the overwhelming amount of everything that needs people that are skilled in doing those kinds of things. And people that aren't afraid to just on some MacGyver type thing (laughs) and be like, yo, we just got to stitch this wire into this because there's no other choice. (laughs) I need to make this sound and I'm going to yell into a headphone and plug that in the wrong cord and it's going to work. Or I'm going to do a Grandmaster Flash did, you know, and, and utilize this. He was taking things apart and rewiring them in his house. (laughs) And it's the same thing from humans have done since you know, the caveman days in a way, like right. I'm gonna figure out these rocks smash together and makes fire. You know, it's like, yeah. 
like hip hop has always been about making things happen no matter what, you know, yeah. and the, and DJing is birthed out of that and DJing then birthed all these other crazy things, you yeah. know, that um and it applies to everything, filmmaking and and all that. Yeah, and I think you you know, you see people borrowing the aesthetic of hip hop and trying to make yeah. tape, you know, kinds of things, but right. You know, rather than be like, well, why are they stealing? It's like, well, why do you think they want to steal? It's because it's dope. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Because you've made something here. Yeah. So, you know, I think that's been the positive part of all this is watching hip hop get acknowledged in that way. You know, and and again, yes, you know, you need the guy standing with the staff, you know, (laughs) you know, at the at the gate. But um, I also think it's important for hip hop to enter into the, in, these institutions and try and cultivate a version of, you know, this that is something that those guys would respect. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, and yeah. those are also some big moments for me this year. Like Chuck D, you know, I saw him recently. He like took me by the shoulders and was like, I see what you're doing. Keep going. And I was like, <laughs> it was like you're like, are you, know, you sure like, you got the right guy? <laughs> no, but like, yes, yeah, he does have the right guy. Like that's in, that's amazing that he sees that, and he's oh. another person that's always in touch with things and has yeah. been forward thinking and is listening to what's going on in the world, obviously, and reacting yeah. to it. Yeah, um, in all ways, you yeah. know. So for him to see you is not surprising, but it's also it's very gratifying. Yes, obviously. I was gonna say yeah. gratifying and and amazing. Yeah, for him to. It's, it's, you know, meant to be, <laughs> I mean, listen, at this point in time, I'm, I'm just rolling with it. <laughs> yeah. That's so dope. Um, so what else, uh, oh man. I mean, is there any other things we should touch on, uh, that you got coming up that you want to talk yeah, about? Well, I, mean, I mean, you know, story to tell chapter two, which I, I right. was talking a little bit about just in terms of the music. Of yeah. It. Um, that is coming out in February. And so we're doing a show okay. at the Blue Note Jazz Club. Haven't nice. really announced it yet, but February 19th, we're going to be doing Story to Tell Live. Nice. Um, and my band is, as of now, Stro Elliott, um, Ray Angry, Mark Kelly, um, off in the roots, and Marcus Machado on guitar. Dope. Um, so, and Mumu Fresh. Um, Amazing. He's going to be holding it down um, along with some other vocalists. And then um, I think March 2nd and March, uh, I don't remember, end of March, I'm back at Lincoln Center. Okay. Doing some DJ nights. Um, and then I think we are going to do another big show at Lincoln Center, hopefully next year. Very don't know cool. what yet. Um, Roots Picnic is shaping up. Nice. Um, going to be another killer <laughs> oh, man. lineup. Those I, you know, I look forward to every year. Um, and, uh, I don't know, like, I, I think really for me having done something like the Grammys show where it, you know, never could have imagined it and sort of felt so big and impossible, but to get in there and see sort of the the mechanism and how it actually functions and just to realize like, oh man, I could do this. Yeah. You know, that is something that's been turning in my mind since we did it. And, you know, I don't know what that turns into. But I think that the idea of being able to take the live mixtape, you know, on the road as a tour or something approaching that would mm-hmm. be incredible. Yeah. And um, yeah. And then beyond that, you know, hopefully this year we can try doing some of the more visual storytelling to go with, you know, our audio storytelling. Right. Um, yeah. And all of this is leading for me towards, um, you know, chapter three, uh, hopefully by the end of next year and, and bringing all this back together. Yeah. Um, and a bunch of other special stuff that's kind of quietly happening in the background waiting on that very cool oh man it's all so, so exciting like the jamaicans on in living color you have to have like you know 15 <laughs> jobs um at all times uh yeah many, many irons in the fire I right say. 
that's no, that's all so exciting. And like, you know, I love everything you're doing with all of it. I mean, it's, it's so cool. So cool to see it all coming to fruition. And, and as someone that's been a fan of you, like for probably over 20 years, you know, since you've been doing all that, um, it's cool to know you now and cool to see everything you're doing. And it's super inspirational. Um, I think for me and for other people to, to see you just constantly pushing forward and to hear you say all these words just about patience and faith and, Mm following your right path and you know all that it's just so so dope you know i mean it's it's real i mean it has been my experience and i think also you know as a dj many years ago someone who's very successful as a film writer told me that you know even at the level of success they were at which was like oscars and whatever that every after every job they're still worried about where their next paycheck is yeah of course so, like, you know, another part of all of that is just, like, the managing the anxiety of trying to go towards your goal when you yeah. live a real life. And like you said, like, I got kids, I got married, you know, it's exactly. like Exactly, same thing, yeah. yeah. And trying to really do that in a way that is something you can be proud of. Yeah. And that's, the, you know, that's the whole thing. And I, I just would encourage anybody out there to approach this from the start with that mentality, like, really, really. Um, because by the time you get 20 years, you know, if you're able to survive 10 or 15 or whatever, you want to be able to look back and be proud of the things you did first of all, and also have created a version that you can live with. Yeah. And this is like such an experiment and, you know, work in progress for all of us, like, you you know, yourself included. I'm always amazed at this, watching the stuff that you do and plenty of dudes out there that I look at with awe at what they're doing. And what's dope to me about all of us is like my community of DJs is like, there is no competition in that way. Like everyone's competing with themselves Yes, and everyone's trying to be super dope, but everyone else is looking and like, yo, I see you. I see you. Like you're, you're killing it, whatever, whatever. And man, like that's not something you will find in a lot of other situations or careers or whatever. Yeah. Um, so that part is also really, really dope. Right. Like I'm constantly happy for someone that would, I guess be considered my competition and (laughs) some other world. But in reality, there's room for everybody and we're all here to just help each other, keep growing. And we're, as we've seen, there's room for everyone. The industry keeps growing. The, uh, the opportunities and things that you never would have dreamed of are out there and being created and Mm -hmm. blossoming into things. So if you're just supportive of each other and if you're only competing with yourself, that's how you're going to just continue to grow and do dope things that you're going to be happy with. I mean, and as someone who's been doing this a long time, I've seen all the people that were snakes or otherwise not operating from a good place. I won't say all of them, but many of them have fallen by the wayside, (laughs) you know, along the way. And, you know, one thing I I thought of when you were talking a second ago is the listening party that we did for story to tell um, in this incredible space, um, Oswald Mills sound. The thing that made it so amazing. Oh yeah. I wanted to ask you about that. Those speakers looked amazing. Those speakers are amazing. And what makes them amazing is that this guy, um, he has uh, Jonathan, you know, from Oswald Mills. He's in, he's invented this version of a speaker where it's physically amplifying the sound waves. So those cones that you saw, the right. wooden cones, yeah. What that's doing is it's amplifying the sound wave to its full height, which is six feet. Like a sound wave, if you release it out into the air, is six feet. Oh, crazy! So, so it's it's it allowing it to go to its full height. Normally, we're listening on this or that or whatever. The sound waves don't ever grow that big. Oh, that's like, interesting! Wow. Know, Whatever, ancient times kind of thing, they would use things like that to signal because the waves would go farther. Oh. But so the point of this is that when you're sitting in that room 
and listening to music on it. I had to audition my album to get it for them to allow me to play it on that sound system. <laughs> oh my God. And part of this is because when the sound waves are amplified like that, when you're listening, you're not listening like you are feeling the, the music okay yes so i say that to say that if if there's like frequencies that are displeasing to you they will be physically displeasing to you like they're uncomfortable to wow. listen to but if the frequencies are pleasing okay like it feels like a wave washing over you of just good energy it's nuts i've never felt anything like this in my life i went there and listened and i was like i need to do my album listening like how can we make that happen because it was so powerful but but the ill thing about it was that my record when when this guy put it on and it played to the end he was just like that felt really good can you play it again and i was just like yes and like yes because it's like exactly it's what like, i'm going for yeah but it's like the the physical expression of this idea of putting vibrations out into the world that right like, make i mean people, i guess that's what people were talking about with the andre 3000 new album right yes in a way i mean yeah I, I i'm not saying i listened to that and feel that but i'm and i'm not saying i didn't but i'm just saying that mm. i think that's what people were discussing in well, the same way yeah. you said Moo fresh was singing yes. in the healing vibrations and supposedly totally. that's what he recorded some of the right well there uh, i mean those things do exist yeah for sure i think in his case it's more about intentionality you know what yeah. i'm saying like his intent of doing this in this way yeah is guiding the whole thing versus right. like what we might want you know from andre 3000 yes which is bars um <laughs> But you know, right? I like how you were like, "Oh, we don't have new bars. I'm making my own." <laughs> you put the Goody Mob beat yes. with the uh, yes with him over it, and it yes. sounded dope. And it was yeah. like, "We love you, and we also wanted this." Please, <laughs> right. thank you. you. <laughs> right, but yeah. um, we no, also but I think- just play your songs over and over and over and sing every word, right. man, and or remix them so they become they yeah. Become the new, human brain but- is a weird thing, you know what I mean? Because I yeah. think it can. It can put people in their own jail, right? Sale of like being stuck in what they think everybody else is thinking when really, yeah, does it matter? I don't know. I mean, listen, he's following the path that he yeah. feels, and I, you know, as I he should. Whoops, I wouldn't take that away from him. Um, I do think that the part about intentionality and frequencies and all that is a part of what he's going for. Yeah. Um, I just think like the the idea of sound affecting you it can't be expressed more clearly than like imagining the physical waves like yeah hitting your body that's so cool and i think that's also ill for any dj out there that's listening to imagine that like if you take what you're doing in your club or your room or whatever and you just imagine it amplified in that way what would you be sending out into the yeah. world and like would people receive it as something that like moves them in a good way or or not you know right and again not to take anything away from you know this things are appropriate for here or yeah, there or whatever. Of course. I'm just talking about as a DJ, as an artist, Yeah, you know, like what is it that you're, what vibrations are you emitting? So yeah, I think it's a good question to ask if you're, if you're wanting to do this. I'm never going to ask someone uh, <laughs> what kind of DJ or what kind of music they play. I'm be like, what kind of vibrations are you emitting, son? <laughs> I feel you emitting oh, some vibrations. <laughs> I only speak like this with you, Spider. I don't talk like this out in the world. <laughs> Listen. <laughs> I might be able to book you for this event. I need to know what vibrations you're emitting, okay? I don't care what song. Right. <laughs> no, but it's the truth. I, I yeah, think that's yeah, so yeah. true. And um, 
you know, that's, yeah, that's, I need to see your, your emissions. (laughs) (laughs) Now it's, now I don't know. Some nocturnal emissions. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Now we just took it there. (laughs) No, no disrespect to the speakers. Right. Um, But um, (laughs) yeah, I mean, you know, look, I, I think what's dope to me about, you know, DJ city and about, you know, these sort of, collectives of DJs is that it allows people that haven't experienced things to like get a little bit of, you know, the vibe of that. And for someone like me, who has, you know, been watching this and on some Forrest Gump, you know, for many, many years, all these things happen and just being like, I don't understand how this is happening, but I'm suddenly aware now that it is possible. Yeah. So now I'm at a point where I'm like, well, yo, like it's possible. Right. So, you know, anybody out there that's thinking it's not possible, like, let me tell you a story. Right. You know what I mean? It's yeah. like, Come don't closer. get stuck Come on here. that. You right. Know? Like it's possible. Yeah. So, um, I can't tell you how, I can't even tell you how for me. I wish you, if you could tell me, you like, let me know. But, um, seems like really just sticking to, to what you think is right. You know what I mean? Yeah. And like you said, just at the end of the day, um, being, putting out into the world, what you think would be dope, you know, for yourself, but also being a good person, you know, and, and staying true to yourself and like, like you said, a lot of these people that have done things for the wrong reasons or gotten so caught up yeah. maybe aren't around anymore or don't have as much longevity. Um, people find out who you are. <laughs> yeah. Like, that's my new policy is, like, I give people plenty of room to show me who they are. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> good policy, actually. It is a good policy. <laughs> so, in part with the patience, you know, thing is like yeah. that. And, and uh, you know, my, my Kobe Bryant-isms where um, he's like, uh, you know, you go down the rabbit hole on Instagram of Kobe Bryant quotes and they never stop sending them to you. Oh, yeah. But um, there's one I really appreciated where he was like, people say I'm not emotional. He's like, it's not that I'm not emotional. It's that I don't react to the emotion. He's like, I've experienced the emotion. I'm like, huh, that's, that's how it feels i just don't react that is a hard lesson that every single human needs to work on you know that can help you in any situation you know whether within relationships or whatever it is because it is true like it, it it's the same way where like you find out the true character of somebody when they're under like a crazy amount of pressure or in a bad situation you know because that's where it'll come out and Mm -hmm. Um, it's how they react to the situation or it's how they react to the failure or the bad thing, or even how they react to the great thing, you know, and you see really who they are, you know, if something wonderful happens to them or something horrible happens to them, you know, and it's how they're going to react to it. And that does go back to the emotion. Like we're all emotional, but it, it, a, a part of being strong is being able to also control those emotions, not just being able to pick something up that's heavy, well, I guess. Listen, part of being considerate is understanding that the way you feel about something is not necessarily how someone else feels about that yes. same thing. And, you, yeah. you know, you got to be able to work that out. Right. I feel like, you know, it's just become an important lesson. And, and honestly, it wasn't like an easy lesson. It's a very hard lesson. It comes yeah, from it's really trying hard. for something and failing over yeah. and over again and having <laughs> right. to endure that and then being like, well, okay, what happened when I reacted in this way? What happened when I reacted in this way? And like, damn, like yeah. after a few times you start to, it's hard to ignore. Yeah. And you look out in the world, everybody is reactive. Like the internet is just like a giant reactive, <laughs> you know, self-serving yeah. echo chamber. And I'm like, well, okay, clearly the solution to that is don't be that. Don't react in right. that way. Like take a minute, whatever, yeah. whatever. And so I, I try to do that in my life life, <laughs> you know, as Me a result too. of having to endure that in my professional life, yeah. you know, in, in so many ways. I think a lot of um, bad situations come from reactions that happen too quickly, if you think about it, really. Totally. And 
um, people, we live in the society now where you're expected to react immediately, no matter what, because you got the text, right? Well, it's like, okay, I, yeah, I didn't know what to write back yet. Or like <laughs> totally. you got the email or they, they did this thing. It's like, okay, but we don't need to react right away. It's okay yeah. to be, take a minute, you well, know? Also another lesson, you know, for anybody trying to work with, you know, any artist is that oftentimes like cats won't hit you back in the time that you want them to. Does that mean that they don't mess with you? No, yeah. it just means they're doing whatever they're doing. Right. And on chapter three of, of my album, there's a song called In Due Time with Marlon Craft. And the whole record is about like, if things don't happen in the time you want, it's because it's, you know, in due time, it, it, you're getting to the time when it's supposed to happen. Like yeah. what we spoke about before. Mm -hmm. But people just approach the world in this way of like everything's supposed to happen on their timetable and like, sorry, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> like that's not how this works. No. So. I mean, has anything ever happened on the timetable you thought it was going to? No, not once. never. I've never heard anyone tell a story either. That's like, yeah, and it happened exactly <laughs> like I thought it would. It's like, right. no, it's totally. not. It's not happening. Yeah. But, you know, that that uh, these are all good lessons. I yeah. think From the experience of, you know, trying to do this. So true. <laughs> for a living. Yeah. Yeah. And doing this for a living can mean many different things to people, too. Right. I mean, it's um there's many ways to make a living as a DJ, you know, mm -hmm. and you also might react to certain situations <laughs> the wrong way and then try to do the wrong jobs or the wrong things or whatever it is, you know, and, and fall well, away listen, from why you started. When you're in a job where people are drunk coming at you, you know, like half of the time, like <laughs> yeah. you, you got to learn to like know, identify what that is. And That's not true be like, too. You no. Know? So, yeah. And whatever, you know, all of us have had our hothead moments. I'm just speaking yeah. as a person that has not benefited from those hothead moments and benefited from the moments where I was patient. Exactly. I'm like, well, yo. Yeah. <laughs> That's so true. So. Amazing. Well, <laughs> that might be a good good place to end right We're there. Right. <laughs> I think that's a life lesson. We've got a lot, a lot of life lessons. Yeah, I wasn't, here, I wasn't planning on coming in and, and get my DJ Dr. Phil on here. I but, love um, it though. And like you said, the Kobe quotes. I mean, there's ones that I'm constantly trying to feed those into my kids' head because mm -hmm. they're very true. You yeah. know what I mean? And the, you know, you're you're take the the most shots you can. You know, <laughs> like you said, you kept having to try with Lauren Hill. It wasn't yeah. like you shot your shot one time she said no and you're like man that would have been she cool said no several times right <laughs> so that's you know you have to keep shooting you yeah. know to finally make it you yep. know and even like the music that i'm making now represents a small you know subset of music i'm attempting to make and people that have said no or i'm right. too busy or whatever some of these verses i have had to wait you know years for yeah in that way but again you know if you want it yeah how bad do you want it yeah that's true <laughs> That's so, really true. Yeah, but I mean, whatever. You and I could could obviously talk endlessly about all of this stuff. Yeah, no, I know. I mean, but I feel like we, yeah, I had such a good time, you know, learning about everything even more in depth, you know, that you're working on, you've worked on, and just your approach to things, the way your mind works. And um, thank you for the gifts as well. <laughs> Got that hot sauce. Um, we hot sauce and uh, find him online. I J period. Also, oh this, yeah, this is a DJ City thing. This is the or the origin of this is Scratch Bastard and Bastard's Barbecue, and I partnered with Scratch Bastard. Oh, with his logos on there, and it's amazing. Yeah, his logos on here. When I saw it online, I was wondering, and then you told um, me. So shout out to Scratch Bastard, amazing DJ and equally amazing hot sauce, which we wrapped with the hot sauce artwork from Dan Lish for the singles. So, oh, so good. Scratch, Scratch Bastard. Bastard. Yeah, he's. Scratch Bastard is like 
the president of DJing or something. I don't know. He's what. another alien. I mean, Jazzy Jeff introduced me to so many aliens at the Playlist Retreat. And, yeah, I have so much respect for all those guys. They all can do things I could never dream of doing. And, you yeah. know, that's But everyone is. is unique and everyone plays their part. Totally. And no one, every DJ and every person, but has something special to add to the world. And that's what you have to find within yourself, you know, yeah. and that's what you have to find within yourself as a DJ too. And I think, you know, just doing this podcast, interviewing hundreds of DJs and Everyone has a completely different story with some similar through lines, you know, but they all are making a living and have done amazing things that they're proud of in themselves. And like, there's not one way to do something, you know, if you had to draw like a through line through all the interviews you've done, like something that you saw that was common among everybody. What would, what would it be? I think it was the showing up thing. You know, it's the, it's going to the place that you want to be physically, Word. you know, and, um, not just living in a dream world, you know, and being around pushing yourself to make the thing happen, mm -hmm. being in electric Ladyland studios, getting on with Lynn Miranda, having the idea, realizing you can't do the idea and spending eight hours in the corner and making that happen <laughs> that, you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Being at the radio station at two in the morning and the person couldn't show up and you were there because you've been putting in the work being at the radio station, that going to the party that you've always wanted to DJ and making sure you're around, getting it, you know, into your blood yep. by listening every yep. week, then getting your one shot to put me in coach moment, you yeah. know, like it's that put me in coach moment, you yeah. know, and, and it's the putting in the work with the faith, yeah. not knowing where the end is, you know, okay. and, and just living your life through a life of faith and feeding into what is happiness for you. And then being, putting yourself around the people that you want to be around or the places that you want to be around or the sounds you want to be around or whatever it is mm -hmm. and the things that you envision. And then it always comes to fruition. Every story someone's told on here is that is the showing up, you know, it's just like, that's, that's the through line, you know, and it's, so it's, there's different ways to show up, but a lot of it is the showing up and being there in person as hard as it is to be, you know, right. I mean, the last guy I was, you know, he's from Africa, like our last guest, you know, like everybody has a story and everyone's like, well, I'm from here. It's hard to get there. <laughs> everyone's made it happen yeah. one way or another. You can make as many excuses as you want, and then you're just going to be making the excuses to yourself or you just make it happen. And the things that seem impossible, you just push yourself to do it as best as possible, you know, yeah. and, and try put yourself out there and just. Um, also just do the thing you love and feed into the thing you love. You know, those are the yeah. things that every week I learn from completely different DJs that don't know each other all have that same story every that's single dope. time. Yeah. That's cool. So I think, that's good to hear. and you embody that and had so many stories of that, you yeah. know? Um, yeah, I think my, my career has been a series of those stories, like of yeah. leaps of faith beyond what I thought was possible just cause yeah. You know, whatever. And again, seeing it unfold so many times may, will make you a believer, you know, yeah. if you weren't in the beginning. <laughs> right. Like whatever your whatever. faith is, just feed into that and let it like guide you, you know. And um, mm. and if it tells you to stop DJing, I guess stop <laughs> DJing. But <laughs> I mean, listen, the other the other component I would say at the end of this is is being adaptable and being flexible yes. is really, really incredibly critical. Like I, my yeah. mantra for 2023 was Bruce Lee, like be like water <laughs> and no, really. But That's I mean, true. like in every situation you put me in, 
let me adapt to the situation yeah and try and and go with the flow like, right that's also a thing of it it's i definitely just, agree with that and i have yeah. that within my world my career and life as well mm-hmm. but at the same time i guess sometimes some things i've looked back on and i i've wondered if i was i mean too not adaptable or too yeah i wondered yeah. if i was too much like water to the point where mm-hmm. i became a chameleon mm-hmm. and you you don't see me. I'm like uh, the same color as the tree. And then they walked by it. Like, it's like, you almost have to have this things, the thing that you stand for and the thing that you're passionate about and you're, you're not lame, but like your, your focus. Mm -hmm. And that is your like sunlight. Like that's your Your sun. That's like giving you the life. Yeah. Your North star. And then having the adaptability and the flexibility within, but having that still remain as the centerpiece. So you're just, otherwise you you become so water and you're so flexible that it's like, I think that's true. You could become, you get lost in who you are. That's the hard part with open format DJing, you know, because I can do anything, you know what I mean? But sometimes it's like too much of anything, you know, you have to stand for something in a way within all of it. Um, So it's like a, tightrope act in that you know and that all is back to djing you know that's what we have to do you know please everyone make ourselves happy yeah yeah all of it so so yeah but i think that's very important um is the adaptability flexibility and and whatever you do and and i've heard like mick you know aka mick boogie back in the day but i've heard mick shout mick like i've heard him say like do these business talks and investor and the things that like he does and, and relate it back to DJing. And it's the same way you talked about it earlier. And I think Mm. it, it all just plays a part in there. And, um, yeah, it's dope. It's it's, honestly, it's cool to hear the common thread through everybody. Yeah. Cause I do think it is the important thing. It is. Yeah. I I think it really is just the showing up, just being part of it, being around who you want to, who you look up to and who you want to be, you know, and who, and the, the part of the culture and the part of the world that you want to add to, that you feel like you have something inside of you, even if you don't know what it is to Mm -hmm. add to that. Like you said, you saw someone, you went, I want to do that. You know, like, I don't know why or what, or what I'm going to do with it, but I have to do something there. And then all of a sudden you're doing it. And then you have to figure out why and what you're doing with it, you know? And I wasn't necessarily on a trajectory to do this. I was going to be a teacher. That was like what my original path was. And this is just like, yeah, veered off course and just became the main road. Yeah. (laughs) But I mean, the 20 years ago, Norman Lear thing is a precursor to what you did for the Grammys. A little bit. Yeah. And Hamilton in a way. I mean, yeah. elements of those, you yeah. know what I mean? But yeah. I, th- I mean, I think, and again, taking all the way back to the flash thing is just the seeds of all these things. Yes. Combining them. That's what I did in each of those right. situations that made it work. Yeah. You know, just on some hip hop right. shit. <laughs> and that's also how you, you're one of your many talents is to convey ideas through music and through audio collages and that's been your way to prove things to people from mm-hmm. Norman Lear to Lauren yeah, Hill to Rakim to Questlove to everybody, right? Mm-hmm. To Nas, you know, and, and that's your method of communication that you're able to make the clearest message. But, so here's the thing. And I think, again, because we keep, we keep going, but I think it's like <laughs> the, the, the listening part. Get of ready that. for three more hours. <laughs> No, but just the, oh, I lost my train of thought. Sorry, sorry. No, no, it's okay. No, I was saying that's your way of communicating is through those audio collages. So what I was going to say is just that remember that the the source of that 
is the absorbing of someone else's story yes. so much that I feel, you know, like Lin-Manuel talked about how he heard Mob Deep and it was like they were speaking so specifically about their situation that it became universal. And I felt that like yeah. Mob Deep and Nas and people from places that are unlike where I'm from, but there was something underneath there that resonated with me yeah. and I absorbed. And then my job as a DJ essentially is to listen so carefully that and absorb that so you know, throughout my body that when I put it back out, I'm putting it out in the right way and I'm in a way that matches that. Yeah. Thing. And I think like, that's, that's a big deal. It goes back to just listening. Like, yeah. All of it. Like as a DJ. Yeah. Listening. I've had to learn with this podcast so much. <laughs> like in the beginning, I'd just be like, I'm telling funny stories. I'm talking nonstop. <laughs> and then I would listen back and I was like, Oh damn, you need to shut up, man. Like, <laughs> and just listen, you know, and, and it's helped me get turned into a better listener, you know, because I'm like, I'm actually, I want to like shut up and hear what these people are saying so I can like then have a thoughtful response, but also learn from them and like actually like hear everything, you know, and most of these rooms I'm in with most of these people, I shut the fuck up. And yeah. I mean, right. It's just like, I, I want to absorb. be the, <laughs> yeah. Like I don't want to be the most knowing person in those rooms. I don't want to be the smartest person. I don't yeah. want to act like I am. I, I know there's an infinite amount of knowledge and learning and all this stuff. So I'd rather just, yeah, listen. I'd always rather be the least, well, not the least smart, smart person in the room, <laughs> but have, you know, yes. smarter people in the room. I think, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's the only way you improve ever. Yeah. So, so true. Yeah. Amazing. J period. All right. Legendary interview. Thank you. Shout out DJ city. <laughs> yes. DJ uh, city. Shout out Beat source. Beat source. Um, yeah. Thank you for coming yeah, on. Man, my pleasure. And, uh, we will check that hot sauce out. Yo, I will, I'll be eating it. I, <laughs> I have the bastard hot sauce. So I'm down for the chapter. Over. There you go. Collect chapter edition. two, uh, <laughs> sauce right here. Um, um, yeah, and and again, shout out Andrew Day, Aloe Black on the Hot Sauce record, yeah. Dan Lish for the amazing Andrew Day on the uh, F one. Uh, she was on the F one racing in, incredible stage. Outfit. That was amazing. Yeah, she is the most down to earth person when you're with her in person. But the looks and the glamour is holy just like, shit. I was like, damn. I know. I know. I'm like, it's not. Like, yeah, like snap. So dope. And Aloe Black's <laughs> the best. He's like such a smart, uh, thoughtful, yeah, quiet. Uh, but good also dude. loud, amazing, you yeah. know, like good dude, uh, talent, so talented, you know. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so story to tell will be out in February. And, uh, if you're able in New York, come check me at the blue note. Yes. Um, I hope I get to go February 19th, February 19th. Okay. And I, we're trying to bring the live mixtape to LA. There's already having conversations oh, you, about it. I'm so sure you will in 2024. We'll see if we can make that happen too. Okay. Amazing. 2024, baby. It's coming, coming. Maybe it'll be our first Normal year since the pandemic. I, I don't know. <laughs> a lot of good things. I have a lot of good feelings for it. So uh, hopefully, yeah, it all comes to fruition. All right. Thank you, J. Period. Yes, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. All right. all right. Peace. Yo, I'm so glad we got to make that happen. Thank you, J. Period, for coming through in person and, and telling all that. After we finished, he told me a bunch of other stories that he forgot to tell on here. So maybe a part two will be in the works uh, at some point. But uh, he's also got multiple albums coming out and all these cool projects. So we can talk about that. Um, thank you guys for listening. The Beat Sorcerers, thank you for tuning in. My name is DJ Spider. You can find me all over the place. But uh, at DJ Spider on Instagram, DJ S-P-I-D-E-R. I really appreciate all the support for you guys. You know, we can... 
hear this podcast on every service from Spotify to Apple and all over the place. You can watch us on YouTube. But thank you guys for the support. The 20 Podcast is produced by BeatSource. Join us next week for more interviews as we discuss music that matters to DJs. I'm DJ Spider signing off. Peace. And that was The 20 with DJ Spider.